keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Total and Marks. I'm going to skip the usual intro because we've got an awesome guest. He's a former United States champion. He's a former tag champion. He's a former uh, every type of champion. I don't know why I just stuttered on the third one, but uh, he's been a personal favorite of mine for a while, and uh, we're really glad to have him. Lance Storm, everybody. Thanks. How's yeah, going, Lance? I've, I've held a lot of titles, but uh, you've held a lot of titles. Never before. the big one. Never the not not yet. I thought because I, I always remember you as being ECW champion, but I think you had told me that you not told me, but you said in the Observer that they were gonna put you were gonna they were gonna put the title on you, but then you went to WCW or something like that. No, I, I said I I think if I'd have chosen to stay, I think Paul would have given me that as a if you stay, you could win it instead of Justin. I don't know that for a fact, but I assume if uh, I'd have been willing to stay at that point, he might have been willing to go that direction. But I was I was interested in a paycheck more than a. Uh, <laughs> it's like I brought home the belt to my family, and they're like, "We can't eat this." <laughs> <laughs> the bank does not accept that as uh, legal tender. Um. Uh. Mike Warrens is here. Scott Chaplin's here. Robert Karpolis is here. And uh, as always, Zach Attack is here. Let's, uh, let's get to the 10. For, before we even start the 10 count, uh, Lance is offering wrestling classes at, at a very reasonable rate. And the notes are incredible. We were looking at this beforehand. And we were wondering, like, has there ever been a time where somebody has sent you a tape and you've just been like, hey, man, this isn't for you? Like, I can't. I can't even. I've Is never money back that, but thankfully it was before I was charging. Cause I used to do this for a lot of people just, you know, to help them out. And I did have someone send me a match and it was, I was at a loss. Like it was just a case of like, they weren't even starting at the right point. And it's like, you can't just give a few pointers on making good. It's like, you almost, it's like, go back to square one. <laughs> it's like, you know, <sighs> other than bumping, you really don't know what you're doing. And, and that gets hard. And I've had that at shows where, you know, if I'm doing an appearance or something, it's, oh, you mind watching my match? And it's like, yeah, okay. And then you watch it. And it's like every once in a while you have someone that's like, where do you start? <laughs> you know, it, it's like the technique's bad. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just like, man, it's like you really need to just start at the beginning. But thankfully, um, so far with the SWA virtual training that uh, everyone's really just been in need of a psychology tune-up, I would say, because I think that's sort of the thing that's lacking most. And I think there's too many people out there that think you either do the 10 million flips and high spots or you use psychology. And the truth is you can combine the two. Yeah. I, uh, I was, we were thinking about making a, I don't know. We were thinking, I, I'm thinking about challenging another podcast host to a wrestling match and then having you give us notes and just see, <laughs> 
Like, just see if you can even get through the like. I don't know if me I, like I don't have any car. Like I I get winded on an elliptical, so I'm not sure how this would work. But um, let's get to the ten count. Uh, number one, the New Japan AEW invasion. Like I guess that's what it was. Kenta interrupted last night. He uh, he interrupted the main event. Well, not interrupted. They, they had the finish of the match, but uh, he came out and uh, laid. John Moxley out with a GTS and uh, Kenny Omega. There, there seems to be some sort of partnership that may be happening. At least that's what I heard on the observer today. I mean, they're open to a partnership. There's no formal partnership, but it could be happening. I mean, I thought this angle was, was awesome, but my first question is, is this just, is it too much now? Like if they're, if they're dealing with impact and they're dealing with AAA and they're dealing with new Japan, is it one of those things? Does it does it risk the does it run the risk of becoming kind of convoluted? What are your what are your thoughts, Lance? I don't think so. I think you can look at it more, almost like you know back in the the NWA days where AEW can be the central hub, but people from all over the world want to compete there. So you can have you know guys from the NWA, guys from Impact, guys from New Japan, guys from AAA. And I, I think it gives the company a, a, a bigger scope and, and more possibilities rather than thinking of it as such a narrow scope of just, oh, it's an impact invasion. It's like, no, there's just a lot of companies and a lot of talent in the world mm-hmm. and present AEW as, you know, the true proving ground, if you will, where people from other companies can come and test yourself against AEW talent and, and make it really feel like, if you are the best in AEW, you're truly the best in the world. I agree. I, I think there, there's like a real sport aspect to it, which, you know, doesn't necessarily happen all the time in AEW. But when it comes to the world title picture and this idea of Kenny potentially uh, getting other belts, it's like, yeah, that sounds like something that I've seen in boxing when they, you know, introduce a guy and he's got all these belts I've never even heard of, but it's irrelevant. He's an athlete. So he's a champion in a bunch of places. It just makes sense. And, you know, people aren't as stupid. They go, what's impact? What's what's I look, it is rough that the New Japan heavyweight title is called the IWGP. I mean, I'm a New Japan fan and even I go, damn, you know, that's tough marketing, at least in marketing. That's that's pretty you know much a bummer. Uh, but, yeah, it just comes off like real sport to me. I, I don't think everybody needs to know every little detail to go. Wow, this is where everybody in the world goes to see who, you know, the guy is. Robert, you kind of thought, like, you've kind of thought differently with the impact angle, right? You've kind of, you think that this is a way that, it, like, some people could get lost in the shuffle in AEW? I think there's that issue. I, I actually, and it's, I was going to have it from my, my unpopular opinion later for the kickout, but I don't like what AEW is doing here with with the kenta appearance because it's starting to feel like homework if you are a casual wrestling fan we are the percentage within a percentage of people who consume a lot of the product we follow it on social media we know who kenta was even if we don't necessarily watch new japan but the aew audience is either a lapsed fan who saw a commercial on tnt and said hey i'm gonna watch this because i remember sting or i remember tony shivani or a new fan that they're creating from scratch. When Kenta appeared 
it's like you needed to do like a deep dive backstory in terms of who Kenta is, why he's coming after John Moxley and why he matters in the main event of a show when the main event of your show already featured two guys from Impact who they're trying to put over as being important. It makes me think back when when uh, when I was on creative and we were getting ready for the Survivor Series, the SmackDown versus Raw, and we were told that there are fans that only watch Raw and only watch SmackDown and might not be completely familiar with the people on the other brand. Now you're talking about people from other shows and other companies when you don't have that footage. And having worked in boxing years prior, boxing gets very muddied when everybody's a champion and you don't know who, you know, who ranks higher. At least with when they brought in uh, Serena Deeb or, or Thunder Rosa for the NWA women's title, they told their story before they showed up. Kenta closing out AEW Dynamite for a casual fan who's like, hey, that's the show that Shaq's on. They have no idea who this guy is or why he matters. I, I think maybe from a business standpoint, maybe they feel like there isn't a big enough casual fan demographic to, to consider at the moment while they're building. So it's, it's let's focus on this core group of fans, you know, especially during a pandemic where it's like, let people catch up. And then when everything opens up, this is what it'll be. This will be the normal. It will have been seven, eight months, however long it takes for things to get back to regular. Uh, I think now's the time to experiment. So just do it. See what happens. In, in, in some ways, you can't it, fail. You get like, you get less than a million viewers. And I still yeah. think the ratings are great. I mean, you know, it, it, but you can't, I don't know, you can't fail. With, with the ratings they're getting, I, I, take all the risks you can. I, I think for me, it's like a case-by-case -case basis. Like my, my issue with it last night is that the story you're telling is that Moxley lost everything from Kenny, right? Kenny beat him in nefarious means for the belt, and now he's trying to get, you know, his victory back and he wants his revenge and then kenta comes in like this like mistress it's like no but you you said you love me <laughs> like it was this like weird thing of like wait so you have another belt you didn't tell us you had another belt you had a whole belt this time like i, <laughs> I, I kind of I, I loved it when he told kenny to go fuck himself because <laughs> it's like i'm i'm supposed oh, to think great. that like moxley lost everything but he didn't he's had this side piece in japan <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it it depends on what you consider the show. If you're looking at it, you know, in the the Vince McMahon world, if you will, of a weekly episodic television show, I can see Robert's point where you're like, okay, well, where's this backstory? What's this extra stuff I need to figure out? But if you're viewing it a little bit more like a sport then I think it's just another contestant you want to see. And again, I, I go back to my time as a fan, you know, back when you're watching the NWA and all of a sudden they just introduced this guy that was in Texas and a big deal. You're just like, oh, cool. Who's this? And similarly, when they had the, you know, when they first started the new Japan deal back in whatever year it was when I was a fan, it's like when Muda shows up, it's like, I don't know the backstory. I don't know where he was competing. I just go, this guy's freaking cool. So I, I think if you're looking at it more in the pro wrestling sports element, it's a better aspect to bring them in. But if you're looking at hooking people into a weekly storyline for a television show, then I think you've got all the problems that Robert mentioned. Lance, yeah. have you ever caught some guy like Lion and being like, oh, I was the champ in this territory. 
in the set, like bring up some obscure territory back in the day. And then everyone's like, all right, well, I guess. Yeah. All right. I guess I I did have a guy uh, send in an application for the school that once listed his backyard wrestling titles, which I thought was interesting. (laughs) So you're actually, like, okay, so I, have I actually to, did that when I applied to CVS and I got the job. <laughs> so, you, so you're like, okay, I have to unteach you for five weeks and then start the lessons. Yes. Don't ever tell anyone this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, I mean, I, I, I'm on Robert's side on this a little bit in terms of I do think that it is more like the weekly show thing because this is what hurts it for me presentation-wise is that Tony and Jim Ross – treat uh excalibur like the like they're the stepdad and this is their first weekend alone with the kid like they're so condescending to him (laughs) at times and he's your main he's your main gateway into all this information so when nerd boy like speaks up and he's like that's actually kenta and he's the igb like you're already like in my mind i'm a little trained to be like shut up nerd because <laughs> they seem to like kind of condescend to him a bit and i feel like if you really do want all this to grow you kind of have to respect your like conduit to the modern world of wrestling a little bit more i was just thinking what lance when you're bringing up that backyard wrestling thing i was in a backyard wrestling federation in high school and we thought we were like so hardcore you know but like I watched one of those videos like five years ago and it's just like all we did was jump off a of high stuff and almost die. Like we were just like it was just a video of like guys failing and committing suicide. There was no art at all <laughs> during this. I'm like, of course you thought you were hardcore. This was like a cry for help. You know, Lance, did you at all backyard wrestle? Everybody kind of did right in a sense. Well, it was funny in that it wasn't I didn't backyard wrestle, but. Um, I had a few buddies that were the crazy wrestling fans and we did do shows in high school, but we, and the weird thing was we were also the top of the honor roll as well as again, I was a, a star athlete there that we got to use the gym and bring out the mats and put up, you know, posts Whoa. and like sold tickets to the school and like ran a real show. Like we did a, a pep rally to hype up, you know, the big football game where we had, you know, a guy with the, the other team's colors and the guy with our team's colors. And we booked our team to go over in the pep rally. So I did do some wrestling on my own, but I, I don't know if I'd call it backyard. Yeah. It's like the most professional backyard wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it was before all the hardcore. See, crap. here's the so, thing. You know, it's we're amazing. out there doing arm drags and body slams and, <laughs> See, Here's the I, thing is that Lance uh, say that it's amazing, but like that kid, remember that kid who tried to be a gynecologist without any education at like 16, five, that's a different, it just depends on what practice it is. You know, like there are certain things you really need to go to school for folks. Um, it feels like comparing Canada's backyard system to America's is like comparing Canada's healthcare system to America's. <laughs> it's just more professionally wrong. Just a lot more organized. <laughs> Dude, what is it like now? Like, I gotta, it's gotta be wild backstage now at these wrestling events because it just seems like, like, politically, you know, like, like just politicized. The locker room is, you know, it used to be a more conservative place, but now it seems like it's, it's like pockets of real conservative guys, real liberal guys. Is, is, is it, um, like, does politics just not get talked about? Like, 
when you're back there or what? Never in my case. Like, again, once in a blue moon, I think, you know, Val Venus might have said something back in the day, but but not really. Like, everyone has either fun, stupid road stories of the crazy shit you did that night or you talk about the job. So politics yeah. doesn't come up that much. Yeah. Well, let's get to number two. I could keep asking you stuff all day. Uh, future Endeavored. <laughs> what's next for the freak? Lars Sullivan. Um, look, I, 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 the more I will get into this case, the more like I've, I've like, I've dealt with a lot of anxiety attacks. So I kind of, now don't get me wrong. I haven't, you know, said any particular racist subhuman in a Reddit thread either. But uh, I, I also get like having like a, a emotional breakdown or, or something like that. But do you think you, th- you see him coming back, Scott, or you think it's then? No, it's again. yeah, it's absolutely done it's for him. A, it's but I, it's kind of his choice. I mean, I don't understand why he didn't quit. So the the rumor is he literally no showed the night he was supposed to do an angle with Cena last year, right? And I understand he has anxiety. Okay, sure. Um, then he gets hurt. He comes back. He gets hurt. Okay. Then he comes back, and apparently he no showed a third time this time around. I mean, that's his choice, right? So good luck doing whatever it is you want to do, but. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Have you don't want to do this. I mean, you can't. How how much could you? I don't want to say coddle, but how much could you coddle a person? Yeah. If if I you know if I don't show up to my courier service job, <laughs> yeah, I don't get you know I don't get brought back a few weeks later. So yeah, that that's on him. I think it's his decision. And he was like his statement afterwards was cool about it. He was you know, he said they were graceful. They they were great to him. So. Well, I think that's the smart play, though, you know, because when you're you're dealing with, you know, um, anxiety issues, mental illness, whatever you want to call it, there is always the possibility that you get everything under control and, and, and manage to deal with things. You know, um, I think a lot of people have had struggles and many manage to turn the page, whether it be depression or other type, you know, mental uh, illnesses. It's like there does come a time where maybe you can put it behind you. So, so going out professional and not burying the company for it was smart, but he may just have to find, you know, a career that's low profile. So I don't have to deal with it. Um, I met the dude once uh, he was at the PC when I did a guest training gig there. Super nice guy was a big ECW fan. So we talked a fair bit and unfortunately, and I think there's going to be more people that have this come back to haunt them. It's like, Everybody does and says stupid shit when they're dumb kids. And unfortunately, now that's baggage you got to deal with. And being in the public eye makes it worse. So hopefully he can find something that doesn't keep the spotlight on him and he can move forward. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, his size and the way where he works, they're going to go, hey, you're a wrestler. I don't care what, (laughs) what outfit you're wearing right now. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I can't see Lars Sullivan, the florist or something. <laughs> yeah, And maybe that's the future. It's just, you know, a lot of people who are going to want to do things are going to have to make the decision to go. Oh, I am not allowed to because I was dumb enough as a as a younger person to say this thing publicly and it'll destroy me or whatever. My family, blah, 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 blah. Robert, what do you think Lars should do next? 
send his tape to uh, SWA and have Lance fix everything he does wrong in the ring. Um, Lance, you could put another wing on your house with what it'll probably take to uh, to fix some of that. I have. I thought he was all right in the ring. I didn't think he was that bad. He was I, fine. You know, I have he no. I have no patience for for Lars Sullivan because yes, there were all the. I mean, it was it was more Is than. Is this about one the thing. video that you guys did together back in the day? Or? He was very tender. He was very <laughs> gentle. Um, he missed his true calling, but. Um, I was. I wonder. I wonder. Do you think he's getting a call from Buff Bagwell offering him to show the ropes? Jeez. No. The problem with the, my issue with Lars Sullivan is there was all this stuff that was out there about him. It came out after the anxiety issues. There was never any real apology. It was never tackled. Other people, if they were smaller, if there was a different thing, they would have been fired. It's just, it's the nature of the WWE. They gave him another chance, and they spent a lot of TV time on him sitting down and doing those, those sit-down interviews, which means creative had to sit and say, what are we going to do to get Lars Sullivan over and put him on TV versus a lot of really talented guys that aren't getting that kind of focus? You look at the SmackDown roster that was there, that's basically still there now, and guys like Cesaro and Nakamura were not really being used, but they're like, we need to make sure we're focusing TV time on Lars Sullivan, who had a number of strikes against him, and then to no-show is really is beyond just disrespectful. You're having to scramble and rewrite segments for your show that night for someone that you've mapped out probably two, three, four, six weeks of TV. And when Lars was brought back, he was brought back dominant over guys like Jeff Hardy. So you've now potentially damaged the people that he's flattened in a short amount of time. That's where my issue with, with Lars is. I'm glad that they decided to cut ties with him. You can't keep risking TV time. It's too valuable. I mean, you know, he has to be there because the Lucha house party can't squash themselves. Uh, <laughs> I think what's interesting to me is that, like, this is an evolution in a way. Like, I always feel like WWE specifically is behind on the world. And, you know, like mental illness, anxiety is a thing that is becoming more common, like, just, to t I mean, it's been around for years. Like you watch these old documentaries about wrestling and these guys are talking about mental illness without calling it that. Well, yeah, but time. well, because they all had to drink because they weren't getting the support. So instead we're talking about them like they're drunks and addicts and this and that. Where when there's real trauma and course, things like every, that. Every so time, yeah. I think, you know, like if he can be some kind of, positive uh influence you know shed some light on this i think i mean this is a guy who could turn things around do like a powerful ted talk you know he it's gets like, people out of gangs <laughs> just in the, just, trying to just think of every walker in, texas ranger plot i've ever seen just in the sense that like you see a guy like that and you know the the stereotype is that he isn't hurting and it's like this guy is and uh I think you should get into, you know, stunt work and shit like that because I think there's a lot less anxiety in it because there's multiple takes. You're not in front of a live crowd, you know? Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, but the thing is, I, I think, too, that, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, how mentally strenuous this job is because that's something, too. Like, I've had students come through that have some whether it be anxiety issues, social issues, things where, and it's like, it's a real 
tough thing from the, you know, we'll say the company side, because I was running the school. Cause you don't want to say, it's like, I don't think you should do this because you have these, you know, limitations, but realistically speaking, it's like this business breaks a lot of really mentally strong people as it is. And, you know, you mentioned about the alcoholism, the drug addiction and everything else. It's like, it can be a very stressful job. And, you know, you've got all the competition between the people. And again, if you're getting the push and other people aren't, there can be the politics behind that. There can be, it is a very mentally taxing job to begin with. So it's like no joke can be hard for people that are mentally strong. And, and I think too, and I was, I don't, I don't remember who I was talking to about this, but it's like, I think wrestlers at their core on some level are a little insecure to begin with because there is no true validation between, you know, you get your stats, you win your Super Bowl rings, you know, you're the best. And people in wrestling are always striving for that. But because you are subject to Vince's, Tony's, you know, Scott, the booker, the promoter's whims on how good you really are, there's a lot of mental insecurity and struggle and competition between people that it's a really taxing job. And that's where I, I don't like that. Well, he no showed. It's like, yeah, you, you don't know the stresses that everyone's under. Now, I do agree if, because of those issues he can't be relied on to show up as a company at some point you do have to say this job isn't for you we have to find someone that does show up because we've got you know writers producers all these people banking hours of planning and opponents showing up and then if it all falls through it's like we need someone it's it's almost the same as you know the injury prone thing if you get injured too easily you're no good to us because we need you here consistently and whether that injury is physical or mental, if you can't be there every show on time when we need you, it's hard to invest in people. I have a question, Lance. Do you think that with the pandemic, like the world taking a pause, are there positive ways to restructure the industry coming out of this? Well, it's it's weird. Like, I, I think the one thing, and I'm torn between whether it is a positive or not, but it's like, I firmly believe that live events as a whole in WWE are probably gone. Like, I think they'll, the thing do I was the, thinking, yeah. they'll do the occasional, you know, they'll probably, you know, they'll hit MSG once or twice a year. They'll hit Chicago once or twice a year. And they'll do probably themed featured live events, but they're not going to be doing, I don't believe, you know, that big touring thing. So the industry is changing, but as a performer, those were the shows that I actually enjoyed. It's like you did TV out of a necessity as that's the work. And then you enjoyed going to the live events to interact with fans. And while it's nice on your body to just work one day a week, I think the real magical enjoyment part of the job goes away if you don't have those. So it's like, I'm, I'm not sure which way I think is better, but and I think, I, I, I think you have to find a balance between the two, I guess. Yeah. And, and as, as a fan house shows, I mean, I, I have more house show memories than I do, you know, taped live on, you know, whatever it was at the time, TNN or whatever, uh, because yeah, they were a blast. You guys went long, you stretched, you, you acted differently, you know, heels got silly. It was it, it, just an absolute blast. Every time I ever went to a house show but and I, guys busted their asses too. It wasn't yeah. just them goofing around. 
Yeah. And, and I wonder too, you know, cause you always hear, you know, when I listen to, you know, Dave or Brian talk and it's like, Oh, and they're allowed to have fans back. It's, and it's like, I'm curious whether they will, like, obviously some will come back, but I wonder the longer this goes on where people get used to just doing everything via zoom, via streaming, via everything else that people just get out of the habit. I'm not going to get in my car and drive downtown and try to find parking and go to a show. It's like, I'm so used to, I stay home and I do stuff like they'll go to their buddy's place and have a party and get drunk. But I don't know whether, especially if this goes on any longer, Jesus, you know, we're almost at a year now. If you start getting into a year and a half, two years of you don't go to live wrestling, wrestling is just what you watch on television you know, heaven forbid there's fans that started watching in the last year that don't even know going to a live show is a thing. You know, you watch Raw, it's like, there's no people there. They just watch on a screen. And, and I wonder if they will be able to pack large numbers into venues again or whether there'll be a large percentage of the audience that's just, you know, I'm kind of used to watching it on my iPad. I think they'll run Alabama and Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and they'll be packed uh, because it's... <laughs> I, I'm in Florida. You would think COVID doesn't exist if I drive an hour north of here. It would be a real shame if house shows go away because I think that's where, for a younger fan, that's where they hook you for life. Because once you see someone you saw on television that was your, your like, you can go see a Marvel movie. You're not going to really meet Captain America. You can watch WWE programming. You're going to go and you're going to see Drew McIntyre live and in person. And he's 11 feet tall and looks like a, like a comic book character. You're going to hold on to that and remember it. And that's going to propel you as a fan. If that gets taken away, Raw just becomes another disposable TV show. And they could be taping from the Thunderdome forever. I think there's a happy medium of one to two live events a week, maybe three, four day loops. Cause I'm sure, you know, from the wrestler perspectives, they're getting to be with their families more than they ever have. Are they going to want to give that up? Probably not. Some of them, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I actually wanted to circle back up at the mental health thing. Like is Lance, you, you're, uh, you know, you a uh, very uh, known as like a really good guy. doesn't have like a drug or alcohol problem. Hasn't like torpedoed his marriage. Like, what have you done differently <laughs> than everybody else? Is it just how you're built or, or is it like, this is, this is, these are the times of day I meditate. Um, like, do, do you have any like, like almost like spiritual uh, or uh, emotional well-being uh, tips for new wrestlers? Um, not really. I, I think one of the big things was like, I got into this, career as a job like i thought i would be good at it i wanted to make a living at it and i thought i'd probably enjoy it where i think many of the people we talked about or i talked about the insecurity levels i think some people get into it because they want the superstar fame and you know they and you hear all the people it's like you know i i just once you hear that pop you always want it again and it's I was never like that. I was never, for lack of a different term, a mark for the pop. I, I wasn't the one that wanted to be recognized and go, hey, I'm famous. You know, I, I drove down the street. And I, I think that is a big, big difference for me. And in a weird way, I also, and I think it, it prepared me for it, when I was an athlete and a competitive athlete in you know, high school, university, and so forth, I generally was one of the better players on a not very good team. I played volleyball at a football school. 
both in high school and university, ironically enough. And because it's a team sport, I learned that if my performance was good, I was happy and content, even if I lost. And I think that mentality played well into wrestling because if I performed well, it didn't bother me if I was looking at the lights. Or if you were in WCW in 2000. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, one of the better players on a losing team. Very great. That's that's what I was thinking of. (laughs) But there's a lot of people that I think do it for the recognition and the winning is their validation and their Hall of Fame ring is the validation. And I think that's why you often see the, you know, you read the autobiography and they put someone else down. It's because they want to be that higher thing. You know, I think that was, you know, probably at the root of the, the Flair Brett feud when they had their books, it's like they both strived and wanted to be the best in the world. And the fact that someone else considered the other guy that ate at them where, you know, if this was a true sport, they'd both have, you know, their hall of fame rings or their super bowl rings and they'd, they'd have a validation. And I was always, and the weird thing is I, I contributed to ego and it's weird that I think the people with the problems, they want their ego validated, but I think my ego is such that I validate it myself. <laughs> that <laughs> I, I believe I have these good abilities and I don't really care if other people think so or not. So it's not that I don't have an ego. I just have a different one. And on the road, I, right from day one, the plan was make a good living, retire and go home to my wife and retire and be a happy person where I think other people just had different goals. Number uh, three, no country for old gimmicks. The Bushwhackers are back. Book their final run at any company. Um, All right. I have, this is going to sound like a joke, but I really, I put some thought into this and I really think this is a great idea. So hear me out. Right now, the average NXT fan is like 55 years old, right? We hear that all the time on The Observer. Um, Why isn't WWE capitalizing on like a -a Make-A-Wish Foundation for divorced dads? So like you have all these guys, like right when they're in their late 40s, going through the end of a marriage, you know, like their best friends, put up a couple hundred bucks together, and the Bushwhackers show up, and they're just like, oh, mate, there's plenty of fish in the sea, you know, something like that, like... I think that would be like a fun use of legends. Anyway, that's my that's my shark tank. <laughs> I actually I, I, I think legends need to be on NXT. And that's what I have. Bushwhackers return on NXT uh, for the Dusty Classic. And they say we're the dustiest. <laughs> See, I, I have them tying into SmackDown. I think as the Gable Otis relationship doesn't go well robert's so pissed right now i think you have gable getting more and more frustrated with otis that he eventually turns heel and the bushwhackers show up as the otis support because he's damn near in full bushwhacker march anyway i think otis's wacky charisma and the bushwhackers wacky charisma gel really well and i think you could have some tremendous fun segments with the bushwhackers and uh, big old otis robert was that your idea that was almost verbatim what i had i'm a slightly <laughs> more in shape landstorm at this point um <laughs> i literally wrote like put him uh, put him with otis when gable turns on him and have him do the uh the arm thing the the alternate that i would have had if he would have been in, if they would have been in aew 
as a one-off. It's you have him out there and you just have FTR destroy him pretty quickly and have somebody make the save because I can't imagine the Bushwhackers can do much other than go out there and, uh, you know, lick fans, which you can't do in 2021 and do the arm thing. And then whoever comes in for the save is going to get a nice little rub. But my, my main suggestion was uh, use them with Otis and uh, let, let him get the rub. Robert, there was a good period. I don't know in the WWF, I think like from the golden age or whatever, we're like, cause I was watching old Bushwhackers promos today. Cause you know, my wife's not around. Uh, and, uh, and the thing about him is uh, everybody screams during that period like the baby faces or the heels it's just constant screaming everybody's octave is a 10 like all the time it's i don't know how like you were able to get through a show without fainting it was it was insane there really isn't that much difference between the heels and faces in that era as far as the uh vocal as far as their vocal tones well they did that because they were playing to the back right i mean right yeah yeah now it's like you 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 have to learn how to wrestle am i wrong lance where the cameras are well there there's there's a difference of opinion on there i don't have the popular one where you know, <laughs> wb is very adamant that you need to know where the cameras are and you need to play with the cameras where i take a page and again i'm stealing this line from steve austin but i've always thought i'm the star let the camera find me and if you have a big enough presence the paparazzis will run over and get the shots of you the 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 true movie stars don't run around in in search of the paparazzi the you know the cameras should find you but they do play more to the viewer at home than they do the viewer in the arena if there were any now well aw still has some but i i think that you know it ties back to what we talked about with live events it's like when the cameras aren't there you just interact with the people and it's so much more fun where I, f- I feel now they play too much to the camera and it, it, it feels more like you're watching a TV show than a sporting event where if they would just focus in at the task of hand and I'm just an onlooker, I feel more like I'm eavesdropping on an important thing rather than them talking right to me so much. Kevin's head just exploded, mm-hmm. so thank you. <laughs> I, can, I literally heard his voice in my, get Lance to stop talking about this. <laughs> Um, his, I, his head exploded as the camera shook. Yeah, no, it, yes. it was seven different cuts because you can't stay on a shot for more than three seconds. Just, I just, as as you guys are saying this though, I just flash back to Dynamite last night. Do you remember after J- Jake the Jake Roberts uh, hit Angelica, and then he like tries to like look at the camera, but like he's not really even looking in the direction of the camera. He just he kind of has this face that I've. I've seen every guy at a strip club make like right after he hits. It's so it's so weird. Um, I, I, I like that you called Angelico Angelica like he's oh, a Rugrats character. Oh, I'm sorry. And then, and then oh, Ange- oh, Angelico comes out with his tag team partner Tommy Pickles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, so you show I, him the I, respect he deserves. I, I actually also put thought into the Bushwhackers thing. Yes, um, yes. So you either have them come out with Jay White. As a New Zealand faction, they're the buffet club. Or you have them. I also thought FTR. This is what I think. In Wait, the what curse, buffet are Jay White and the Bushwhackers going to together? Those are that's a that's a very like it's, it's like one side of the buffet just marinated chicken breast. Like he's he's treating them and they're taking advantage. So, mm. but my other thought is AW kind of Robert was saying FTR. This is what I think, right? So FTR is attacking Jungle Express. They think that comedy wrestling is stupid. 
So then you have these guys come in as the ultimate comedy wrestling team, and they're going to challenge FTR to a final match, but they come out as the sheep herders and they have a hardcore. That's awesome. That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. Except aren't they like close to 70 now? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They're not the spry young rock. They're not the spry young rock and roll express that can go out there and still. Lance, Lance, it's a W. You just put any 60 year old in a street fight and it's fine. (laughs) Give them Darby Allen. (laughs) I mean, I will say I saw like a shoot interview with one of them. And the great thing about the Bushwhacker look is it doesn't really change much in 30 years. You know, they're just as handsome as they were in their 50s. They, they become know? more Bushwhacker. It's yeah, they become more. more yeah. yeah, but but the FTR, they could bump around for them and stuff. You know, we could it could work. <laughs> didn't, didn't Gypsy Joe fight uh, New Dude, Jack when gypsy, he was like 75? Lance, have you ever seen that Gypsy Joe New Jack match? No, I have not. Oh my god, it's it's like faces of death. It's one of the most unsettling. Have you seen that, Robert? No, I have. It is a fucking found footage horror movie. It is not a wrestling match because, like, yeah. it, even by the end of it, like the guy who's filming it is like, "Yeah, I can't film this anymore. <laughs> I, this, is, I, this is like just a documentary about senior abuse at this okay, point." Okay, but there are know? certain like Bullet Bob Armstrong still looked convincing when he was. I, he did some stuff in TNA when he was in his. He was probably in his. Gypsy his Joe 80s. looked like Mac from Mac and Me. That's what he looked like. Remember that little alien? Yeah. Number four, right. what is a celebrity's place in wrestling? Lance, um, <laughs> do you, do you, uh, when, when you see like somebody use Shaq or use Bad Bunny, do, do you get douche chills or are you like, all right, this is a, an important part of the business? Uh, what, which, what, what angles do you think are successful versus ones that are just a complete waste of time? Well, it's, it's weird in that. Because again, a being in the business, but ignore that and just as a you know fan for 35 or 40 years, I'm not the guy this is supposed to appeal to. So it's like Bad Bunny comes out, and you know, for starters, as a 50-year-old, you know, white guy from Canada, I'm like, who the hell is that? (laughs) But I don't really care because he's not going to be what I want, but that's not his purpose. And you know, WWE really needs some young viewers. And I asked my 20 year old daughter and she absolutely knew who he was and said, yeah, all of my friends know who he was. He's a big deal. And it's like, that's who they want to attract. So if using him, and again, that's a big, if does in fact get some of his fan base to watch raw, to check it out, then that's a success. Now, if some of them stay, then it's a big success, but that's the celebrity's place. And the same thing with Shaq or Mike Tyson or whoever you, Cindy Lauper, where again, Cindy Lauper was a big success. Now she also, because she was so big with MTV, which again, you guys look like you're at least close to my age group. You know, when MTV actually had music on it, when it first started, that was so big. It was the cool thing that every, like you'd come home from school and you'd watch like nine hours of MTV straight. So the fact that, Cindy Lauper, who was huge on MTV, was in WWF. It's like, wow, that must be hot because they're tied in with MTV. So that's what the celebrity is supposed to do. And if, and this is where I don't know if it works as well today, because there's just 10 billion genres of entertainment that I think if you like Bad Bunny, you probably can get enough Bad Bunny without having to go to WWE to get it. But that's the idea of what they're supposed to be for. They're to bring new eyeballs to the product. And those of us who are 
old eyeballs that have been on the product for 30 years, they're not there for us. He kind of looks like Puerto Rican Jimmy Hart, doesn't he? He has like a Jimmy Hart vibe a little bit. <laughs> well, I want to know, Lance, like, so when these guys have matches, like, I, this is what I'm curious about. How much, you know, as a trainer, how much training do you think they should have to even be in the ring at all with somebody else? What Mike is trying to say is, what the fuck is Cody going to do with Shaq? <laughs> <laughs> well, the th thing is, Cody will have it a little bit easier with Shaq. Because Shaq's so big, Cody can just bump for him, as long as he teaches him a few things. Where with Bad Bunny being smaller... Bad Bunny's offense is going to have to be him actually physically doing stuff. And Bad Bunny's probably going to have to sell a little bit. Now, again, it could be a case of they're going to, you know, teach this kid how to do one high spot and, a, 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 you know, a, a better dive off the top so he doesn't slip. And, you know, Damian Priest will do all of the work and Miz will only have to take two or three bumps for this guy. But ideally, you do want to, I would think you want to at least spend, you know, several weeks teaching him how to bump properly. So if things go wrong and he falls down, gets thrown, gets tripped over that he can at least land in a, in a, in a safe position. So he doesn't get injured, you know, cause that dive he did off the top on Miz and Morrison, it's like his foot did slip and he almost didn't make it. You know, I like Miz, but he has a rep for not being the most guide, uh, not the best catcher. shall we say, and again, you know, Morrison was the majority of the catch on that dive. I, and I joked to a friend of mine, it's like, I, I hope someone had, you know, their phone out filming him when they said, are you sure you want to do this? You know, we don't want you to get hurt. Are you sure you want to? So that they got video of him saying, yeah, no, I'm good. Because if his foot slipped and he landed on his head, it's like, dude could have broke his neck. That was, it was such a, cause it was like, you could see that he like lost his footing a little bit, but it still looked pretty good. Even though yeah. it was like, it was like a, it was like one of those botches that looked good because it was just dead weight on the guy's head. And, and well, it also him. feels like that PR would backfire possibly and, and not, not PR Puerto Rican, but the, the you know, public relations <laughs> would backfire in the sense that like the, you know, you're bringing them in to get eyeballs. And I especially, I think it's a, like the Bad Bunny thing, I think with the Peacock deal, because not only are you bringing eyeballs to WWE, you're bringing eyeballs to this new streaming platform. But I, I guess it's, yeah, the thought that like, like I think about like uh, Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam. It's like, if you're Bam Bam, how worried are you about actually like hurting this guy? And, and, and even if like, it's not your fault, just you're the guy that's in the ring with the celebrity and the celebrity gets hurt. Yeah, I think a guy like Bam Bam, who, again, I loved Bam Bam. He was such an incredible, safe worker. Yeah. And, and similarly, if, if I was in there working with a celebrity, it's like I'd be pretty confident. Again, I would limit what he could do as far as running and jumping where he could hurt himself. But I'd be pretty confident I'm not hurting him. But you, you do have to be careful because, yeah, it could come back to, to bite you in the ass if, you know, he does get hurt. But. Again, with, you know, the bad bunny situation, I, I think you're safe because Miz is a guy that's Teflon, you know, because you'll get the fans that, oh, man, they got this, you know, singer, you know, hip hop artist, whatever you call people nowadays, you know, beating up a wrestler. That's no good. But it's like Miz is such the Miz that he's Teflon, like whatever anybody thinks of the Miz right now, no matter what he does over the next six months, that's what they're going to think of him in six months. He's Teflon. So he's the perfect guy that 
could lose to Bad Bunny and he can come out and annoy you the next week on a Miz TV segment and he's still the Miz. You know, you don't want Bad Bunny out there, you know, beating up Damian Priest because it's like, well, we're hoping to build this guy into something. But with Damian Priest, I, I think he is also Puerto Rican. I could be wrong. It's like, that's such a great rub because if you can get Bad Bunny's fan base to just check out this show a couple of times and if they latch on to Damian Priest or hell, Carlito's back, he's Puerto Rican. You know what I mean? That they might stay and make a connection with Damian Priest. And if the dude can give Damian Priest a rub, then it's like, that's a home run and a half. I mean, Bad Bunny to me is the dream celebrity for the WWE on such a degree that they, they couldn't have planned this because he's organically a wrestling fan. He grew up a wrestling fan. He, he wrote that Booker T song on his own. This wasn't WWE reaching out to them and saying, we yeah, want that, you to write the, Booker the theme. Booker T is kind of a deep cut for a song. You know, it's, not uh, it's, like- it's and, and it's, it's, it's literally, he's talking about the King Booker gimmick. I'm a King like Booker T. He's like, 2006 SmackDown fan. Well, whoever was on the writing staff then must have really known what they were doing. So, you know, clearly. But Bad Bunny has. Oh, Hayes? Yeah, exactly. No, PS was on was on Raw. He, he ain't touching SmackDown. Um, but uh, Bad Bunny has he has over two million followers. He loves the product. So he shows up. He does the song. He's willing to do the bit in the Royal Rumble. Whereas like when we watched the thing with Drew Carey, Drew Carey was there because he was promoting his pay-per-view. The WWE likes to whore themselves out to any celebrity willing to show up. Bad Bunny was organic because he just happens to love wrestling. Then he was willing to show up again on Raw, interact with the guys, seem convincing, and now is willing to potentially do a third thing with them which is huge. And the worst thing is when you bring a celebrity in, like Jeremy Piven is the gold standard who has no idea what the product is. It's embarrassing when he's out there. He looks, you know, disgusted to be a part of it. And it's just go see my movie. And then, oh, by the way, I'm here on Raw. And enjoy Summerfest. Enjoy Summerfest. Or worse, (laughs) if you like... If you bring in a D-list celebrity like the Miller Catfight Girls and they bump somebody off WrestleMania, hey, hey, hypothetically. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. My sister was a Miller Cat like I'm just taking the <laughs> shit. No, no. yeah. so, and, and I got bumped off WrestleMania for them. So. That, that's the whole. Oh, I was just going oh. for deep cut to fuck with Lance. That was all. <laughs> but you're Lance, right. Have you had to um have you have you had to be in the ring with a celebrity, like somebody who was completely green and you just had to do all the work? I've I've worked with completely green people where I had to do all the work, but they were usually <laughs> well, yeah, on the no, I meant, I meant yeah, like they were a, WCW you know. champion at the time. Yeah, <laughs> like Lance I, Arms, I mean, a Lance Storm versus Hal Holbrook. I'm I'm not sure what's yeah. No, I don't think I ever had to do anything specific in the ring with with non wrestlers. Um, I, I cut a promo on Rob Reiner once, but he stayed in the audience. <laughs> you kind of promo on Rob Reiner. There was no way he was getting up, though. He was pretty comfortable in his seat. He's not the bastion <laughs> of cardio. You were like the middle of yeah. Princess Bride kind of drag. But Robert's right, though, with, with Bad Bunny being a, a, a fan. It's like wrestling fans can spot a wrestling fan a mile away, and they can spot a guy that's bullshitting his way. You can also smell a a wrestling fan, by the way. (laughs) But you know what I mean? It's like when you get the person that obviously was given the the five-minute crib notes on, you know, the proper words to use so you sound like a wrestling fan. They go on TV. It's like all the wrestling fan knows this dude's out here just because he's supposed to. Oh, his, you know, publicist told him to go say this on Raw. But when a dude shows up and actually is a fan, you can tell. And the fact that Bad Bunny's doing this much, you know... He actually likes the product. So when his fan base, if they tune in, 
sees that this guy they idolize loves this shit, they might give it a try. Th- that yeah, that's the most like that's the key ingredient. He he thinks it's cool as hell, and his fans aren't going to question that. They're just going to go okay. Dude, at, what was at the, the bare minimum? They're going to go. It's not stupid. Which is important in 2021. (laughs) To Lance's point, like, not only can you tell whether or not someone's a fan, you could always immediately tell when they were a fan. You know, like, I remember, like, when Mike Tyson came in for the Austin thing, he's like, I remember watching Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund. Like, (laughs) like, and he hasn't watched since then, because remember he called him, like, Cold Stone? And (laughs) I saw such a cool picture with – Owen Hart and Tyson today and like Tyson looked like he was around Santa you know what I mean he had like it was like it was like Owen was the famous guy god damn it my sorry my, my, <laughs> honey I'm trying to talk about Owen Hart and Mike Tyson uh, <laughs> Lance, I don't know if you realize this but Dan's hotel just <laughs> Lance what was the promo you cut on Rob Reiner oh it was back when I was doing the tremendous boring gimmick and we were in LA and I came out and just basically told him to pay attention because I was going to be the the new hot thing in Hollywood. I'm standing right in front of him because I'm such a, you know, charismatic. And again, I'm doing it as boring as possible at the time, putting over how, you know, charismatic and exciting I am and that he should pay was attention. Was this on Raw or was this a house show? No, this was Raw. Or could have been SmackDown, but I believe it was Raw. And he was just, you know, sitting first or second row in L.A. So they just, hey, when you do your promo... Cut, you know, mention him, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I can go talk to Meathead. I don't mind. It's hard to think of you as as boring for the based on the next segment that we're going to be covering. That was our, that was my segue to move us to the next one there. But, uh, <laughs> so we uh, we we watched yeah, number, the- number five. Uh, this is a segment called Show in Hell, where we usually find something from YouTube. But uh, this was Show in Heaven. After seeing this clip, Mike, take it away. <laughs> uh, we watched your thrill seekers rocking. America video with you and Chris Jericho in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I have every question about this. Um, <laughs> um, well, first off, uh, there was nothing edited out, right? Because everything you shot is in the video. <laughs> you guys are supposed to be baby faces in this, right? That's the idea. There's nothing ironic. You're not ironic heels. You're baby faces. We were baby Again, I don't know which one you watched because we filmed several of them. This was the one where the music video is playing. You guys are at the amusement park. You're bungee jumping. You bungee jump. Bungee jumping, figure skating, riding horses. Um, Which I'm guessing Cornette made you pay for admission to each one of those, right? (laughs) No, actually, he uh, Smoky Mountain Television was strong enough in that area that they opened up and gave us uh, free access and exclusive access to all of those things just to appear on Smoky Mountain Television. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it was just because we were just just breaking in. I remember when we did the the go-kart gimmick thing where we were running around on go-karts and Jericho was just laughing. He's like, this is our job. This is the best. <laughs> we're just we're screwing around and it's like we're getting paid to be here. My, my favorite thing is that the whole thing is it's like these guys just came from Canada and they're experiencing things in America that they've never done before. And then the second thing is you guys ice skating. <laughs> <laughs> But, and but this, uh, would you? And then the helicopter. It ends with the helicopter ride. Were you, were you nervous at all? No, it really wasn't. I, I don't even remember. Again, I think we went up in it. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, we climbed in it and climbed out of it. I don't know whether we actually <laughs> were the ones that went up, but we probably did. But 
the the bungee jumping i was wondering when he first mentioned it because when i was a kid i was afraid of heights and i sort of just willed myself to not be and it's not so much that i'm i'm not it's just i've told myself i'm not going to sweat it and i don't give a shit anymore and i've managed to pass it so i was curious when we got up there if i would be and i actually went first they film it so jericho goes first just because it worked out great that when i dive off when i spring back up i actually look and see the cameraman and point at him while i'm upside down bouncing on the bungee it was jump. perfect form i gotta say it was so they bungee. they edited it so i was the last one but it's fun to look back and joke because again most of the stuff is just stupid right we're in an arcade we're you know we're winning a little but again this is sort of the charm of a territory wrestling that this was Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. This is where the locals in that territory would go on vacation and they would go do these cool things. It would be like, you know, if you're the Florida territory, you might go to Universal Studios. And this was, you know, we went to Dollywood and shit in Pigeon Forge, which in 1994, if you live in the hills of Kentucky, that's pretty damn cool. Now, for Jericho and I, it wasn't nearly as cool, but. It, it worked for the time and for the audience we were projecting. But yeah, you look back now and it's like, man, we were geeks. I mean, it looks like you guys are in love with each other. Like it's, it it's looks- actually a beautiful, progressive <laughs> love story. <laughs> that entire montage. It, it's it like works, the two though, but it, it, it works. But you see there's little hints of it where you see who Jericho actually is that come through where he's clearly winking at the camera and he's having a good time. Like you guys are talking to the helicopter pilot and he's got his arms crossed and he's nodding. Like, you know, I, I should be doing something to sell this when he's clearly not paying attention <laughs> or he's flirting with the, a picture on the wall of a robot woman. And he tells you to go away cause he's trying to fuck her. And it was just, it was a great little comedy bit. That definitely that- happened in real life without the alien, right? <laughs> that, 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 that scene, I think, played itself a few times in Lance's life. That's how he stayed happily married, yes. Did, did Cornette... Oh, sorry, go on. It was funny, too, how the videos progressed because Jericho really was, from a personality standpoint, the thrill-seeker character. You know what I mean? He wants to be a rock star. He's a partier. He's a have-fun guy. And it's like, well, physically, I can be the thrill-seeker guy. Personality-wise, I'm not. And as the videos progress, there's the one where we're at the gym, there's the one where he tries to take me out and party. And it, it's like, it starts becoming Jericho's acting wacky and crazy. And I'm kind of shaking my head at him with a, <laughs> okay, my partner's a little bit out there. And, and it, it would have been interesting, you know, had Smoky Mountain succeeded financially and we stayed. It's like, I think there was a lot in these videos we could have used a year or two down the road for the split up. Where you Rick tell did, that Jericho's not taking things as seriously as I was and how I was getting a little bit annoyed with his shenanigans. That I, I think there could have been a really good long-term story that we had planted seeds for we didn't even know we were doing. Great. Did Cornette direct these segments? Oh, yeah. He was the one there directing and running them. And it was just, uh, we we took a, you know, us and a couple guys in a camera and it's like, what can we shoot? And it's like, hey, there's an ice skating rink. You guys want to skate? And we're like, uh, okay. <laughs> And there was a is stupid Cor- thing at the Cornette beginning. the funniest guy you've met in wrestling, Lance? Uh, he's up there. He's up certainly there, one right? of the more entertaining, funny guys. Um, yeah, like I really enjoyed. Like he's he's wacky in a in a good. Well, again, <laughs> maybe now he's getting a little more wacky in a not as entertaining way. But I love Jimmy. I've always had fun with him, and and we had so much fun doing that shit. Yeah, what's it like with him directing? <laughs> he just, I just imagine Cornette just yelling, "Have fucking fun with it!" Like, what is what is it? <laughs> 
Get at those robot teeth, God damn it. God damn it, more joy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Let's do the thing with the bears. Pretend to feed Jericho. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing All I right. wish companies would steal, though, at the beginning of the video, and, and I actually really like this as an idea, was you guys signing your contract and ta- and they made a big deal. Like there was all these officials behind you and they had like when Bullet Bob's going to sign it. Like I wish AEW or, or, or NXT would steal this because they, they sometimes do that with the picture of like Triple H pointing to the guy they signed. But having a guy sit down and do a press conference where you're like the officials have been great and we're, we're glad to be here. It's something that's effective that would work on television to bring in a new talent. Yeah, it's. I, I remember actually WWE did that with Kenta when they signed Kenta. Uh, All right, we, we already talked Japan. about Kenta. We, we got our new Japan I know, moment. but Move it's on. true. They had it like a ceremony. It was they used they to did. do it that was when, really nice. when they signed international guys. They, they had like ceremonies. It was amazing. And really when they sign a too. masked wrestler, it's always the funniest. But like this that, really you know, serious this... press conference and someone's wearing a luchador mask in the middle. But even just, you know, because, you know, they they did, you know, they do a lot of contract signings for matches. And they've pretty much made that null and void now when you can just go, oh, card subject to change. I don't have to honor the contract I signed. But with pro wrestling now, they know that you're, hey, he signed a contract. He's coming to WWE for three years. I think you could get some good mileage out of this where you could have teased a big signing to Monday Night Raw this past week and we're going to have a big contract signing and done the and you could have fans curious who's coming to the company or who's getting called up and you could do the big Damian Priest contract signing. And you could have had, you know, Damian Priest showing up in the Bugatti or whatever hell kind of car it was that uh uh, bad bunny had and it's like damien priest could have drove into the building with bad bunny and they could have been a big presentation of we're signing this giant star to monday night raw you won't believe what you're going to see with damien priest well, well how funny is it that what was it in december they were saying that the idea was damien priest was going to show up on smackdown as kevin owens friend Right. And then Reigns and Owens scrapped it. They were like, it doesn't make any sense. We're not friends. We're not, you know, nothing against this guy. We just aren't friends. And people know we're we're not friends because I actively, you know, tweet with guys every day and he's not one of them. Uh, and then you wait a couple of weeks and they go, OK, we'll give him a new friend. And it's Bad Bunny. I mean, he made out better than anybody in this Damien Priest because Bad Bunny's going to go away. And uh, yeah, yeah and I don't really. Know. The, the issue isn't that they're not really friends with Kevin Owens. I think the issue is that the Damien Priest we present on television wouldn't be friends with the Kevin yes. Owens we present on television. Makes no sense. Like they're just, if you want to get characters over, they have to ring true. And it's like, I see those two people and I don't believe they would be friends. Kevin Owens would never go in a hot tub. That's how you know those guys are not friends. <laughs> But it's you just, would go to a hot tub, but he would be alone and there'd be a sandwich involved. It wouldn't be like three <laughs> women in a bikini. You know, because they're wearing fully clothed because that's how I get in a hot tub. But this almost <laughs> goes back to what we were talking about with the thrill seeker thing. Like Jericho and I were really good friends, but the character we present on television really wouldn't be. Right. You know what I mean? Where the Lance Storm you've seen on television for, you know, however long if you knew nothing about our real lives, it's like, you'd never go, you know, who he's probably like been friends with the longest Chris Jericho, because the Chris Jericho you see on television. Isn't someone that would be friends with Lance storm that you see on television. 
you have that now at AEW because you have Jericho and Don and Luther. I wouldn't think the three of those guys have been friends for a long time based on the characters they portray on TV. I would. I actually have a, I have a question about this. Have you ever been, because we hear all these epic like road stories between wrestlers about, oh, I got to drive 12 hours to a town with this wrestler. Have you ever gotten in the car with a wrestler you didn't know before? You sat down and you were just like, holy shit, is this going to be a long 10 hours? Like I didn't, <laughs> I did not know what I was doing. Um, no, but I'll, I'll go the other way. All right. I had to do a road trip with people that I thought I would not get along with in a billion years, but then did. I did a Ring of Honor appearance in Toronto and then was doing an appearance at their pay-per-view in Detroit. And they were paying for my car. And one of the things they said, it's like, you know, we're, we're trying to keep our budget tight. Would you mind if a few people rode with you? I'm like, all right, whatever. And they gave me the Briscoes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he's just a crazy ass dude. Yeah, like if people saw you guys in the car team. together, they'd be like, oh, th these guys are kidnapping Lance Storm. Yeah, it was it actually was me, Roderick Strong, and the Briscoes. And I got along great with the Briscoes. <laughs> they were really good dudes. But when you see the Briscoes, it's like them boys are nuts. And now granted, they are nuts, but I really got along with them well and enjoyed the trip. So it was a surprise. Well, I think some of that is like because, you know, a lot of us are, are comedians here and it's like even if you don't have a lot in common with someone, just the fact that you both pursued this stupid dream is a huge thing that you have in common and it connects you. So even if you're not like yeah, have you're connected of... through the shame of your respective family members. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Number uh, six, creative is nothing for you, Robert. Wait, you want to talk about this wig? So uh, we just had the Royal Rumble this past Sunday, and and I was curious since we had we had Lance on because I've never been involved directly with um, the creative of of putting together an actual Royal Rumble per se. On uh, MLW, we put together a battle riot when I got to work with Bruce and hear his whole philosophy of here's how you put together a Royal Rumble match from a, a creative event. Lance, you've been in a rumble both as a wrestler and working backstage as a producer and i'm curious what it's like from those perspectives putting together a rumble and and actually seeing it come to fruition well the well i'm trying to think i guess it was the 2000 i guess it was the 2020 royal rumble the one that uh drew one i was one of i don't know for say five or six i don't remember who all was there i was one of the five or six people that put that together Wow, that was wow. incredible. That's yeah. probably my favorite Men's Royal Rumble. I think that, my that was Royal my Rumble match of the year for last year. So I loved it, man. Yeah, like I got the I, again, Johnny. It's like, hey, you're one of the you know the agents that are gonna be putting this together, and on this date, you'll fly you to I forget what you know city it was, wherever Raw was. We flew in on a Sunday or a Saturday, and the five or six of us got together to put this thing together, and we we did it two different times, and like it wasn't from scratch. You know, we we had you know we. We, we we were told that, you know, a couple of these guys are, you know, we want these at the end. At the time, they were debating on whether it was going to be Drew or Roman, I think. And, you know, we knew that, you know, we, they wanted Lesnar strong. So we had a framework that came to us, I'm assuming, from Vince. And then we had to, you know, debate and come up with, well, we could put this guy in then, we could do this guy in then. And it's a real fun collaborative thing. 
And it was fortunate enough that the guys that were doing it with, uh, you know, I knew them all and was friends with them all. So you didn't have to worry about stepping on toes. We're just spitballing and throwing shit at each other. And you'd get excited. You'd get up and run to the board and go, oh, but if we did this and did that. And, and then, of course, there's someone that's like, oh, yeah, but, you know, Vince wanted this guy. It's like, okay. And then we had to make that adjustment. And it's a really fun process. And then you sort of get it all down. And with the rumble in particular, it's complicated because you got, all, you know, all those bodies. And it's like you get the important bits in and it's okay. Who, who else, you know, is supposed to be in this, you know, that they've announced already that we haven't used. And then it's, it's balancing too, that it was more difficult with a raw and SmackDown split because again, we're going to sacrifice, you know, how many guys we sacrificed to Brock at the beginning, you know, 12 or 13 people. It's like, all right, SmackDown's going to be pretty pissed if we, you know, kill nine of their guys to get Brock over for the raw show. So it's like, you have to, play that politics of all right well these are the guys that are you know a little we'll kill these smackdown guys we'll have to really highlight these ones so that the you know the smackdown creative guys aren't going to be like what the hell and it's you know balancing that out was a hell of a challenge and then you know that night you know watching it happen and everything was working out so great that it, it was really rewarding and fun where the, the one rumble I was in, you know, you just sit there in the meeting and they tell you what number to go in and they may have one or two things for you to do and then tell you when to get lost. And, you know, that was several meetings of the day on the, the 2020 rumble. It's like, you know, pull this group apart. And it's like, okay, this is the part you're going to be involved in. Okay. This is the part you're going to be involved in. And then because it's wrestling, all of those individuals are going to have their two cents with, well, do you think I could maybe add this to it's like, no, and yes. And no. And trying to, you know, cause everybody's going to want to be highlighted in their bit with Brock, but it's like, you know, Brock isn't going to want to do a highlight every single person. It's like, he's got a lot of shit to do here. He's working really hard. I know it might be cool if you think you did this spot with Brock, but we, we've got to, focus on the big picture and it's a lot of fun creatively to do is it as rewarding producing matches as it is being in them it is for me like i i really do same thing when i was training it's like you know when i was in ovw teaching the developmental guys when you know eminem got called up and was doing great it's like it's so rewarding it's you know it's 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 like a parent you know you get to see your kids succeed and when the students I trained have success, it's rewarding. And if you're the agent and you put the finish together and it works similarly, like in ECW, when I, you know, I did some booking with Paul when I was in ECW. And if you had an idea for an angle and then the crowd reacts big to it, that's just as rewarding. And the fact that you don't have to actually get, you know, bumped and punched in the face makes it even better. <laughs> there was a story that was on a uh, cornet this week that Paul Heyman threw a party for himself after winning manager of the year in 1992 at the China club. Is that true? Do you, would you say that that would be, you have no idea. I have no idea. It's such a funny, fun thing to happen at studio 54. <laughs> like all these like hip people are like blowing lines off each other. And you're like, what, why are you guys doing this? Oh, Freddie Blassie won the big award. <laughs> such a bizarre. I, I can't imagine that, that Paul paid for it. That's my hole in that story right there. Right. That, uh, you know, there's not someone looking for him right now for that money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to number seven. Number seven. What, what would you watch this week to some, what would you recommend watching to someone who hasn't watched wrestling this week's NXT dynamite or a rerun of bad boys? Um, let's start with uh, 
AEW's Beach Break. Um, I will uh, I will start it off. We open with the tag team battle royal. Uh, what did you think about this, Lance? We just I mean we just talked about one of the best, probably the best actual Royal Rumble match I've ever seen. I think I even liked it better than the Flair match that he won in '92. Um, what did you think about like what did you think about how they booked it last night? Um, I haven't watched it yet. I generally get to AEW on Fridays, so uh, my AEW comments are going to be uh, quite limited. All right. Well, we'll, we'll try to speed through <laughs> Although this. I, I did, just to get the shot in, I did joke that, that Battle Royals seem to be Tony Khan's Vince Russo pole matches. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but like Tony Khan books a lot of Battle Royals. And pull-aparts. He, he loves himself a pull-apart. You'll get like three pull-aparts in, in the same show sometimes. <laughs> Um, well, this uh, this had the uh, Jericho and MJF going over and and uh, teasing the disintegration of the inner circle once again. What do you think about this match, Mike? This was fun. You know, I, this is a good way to open the show. Um, I'm the biggest MJF mark. I I love that he purposely hides in the corner because like a lot of times in rumbles and stuff, you'll have someone that's in there the whole time and they just don't bring attention to them. They actually brought attention to the fact that MJF would stay out of the action. And then and, and not would... outside of the ring, which we've seen yeah. in times, literally in the yeah. corner, whole, you know, <laughs> he just, just lets everyone petrified, fight. his eyes constantly moving. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, and he only throws someone out when he thinks he can get away with it. And so, yes. yeah, I thought yes. there was lots of great character work here. The, the guy in top flight was amazing. Um, yeah. This was as fun as it could be for what it was. I, I thought there was uh, a few eliminations that just worked so perfectly for me. I, I got genuinely excited about how they were booking eliminations during this match. And just to kill two birds with one stone, unpopular opinion, I think per minute, like based on minutes and you know how short this was, this was better than the Royal Rumble on Sunday. Not the edge victory, I, but Robert, I'm talking. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking the edge right. victory. Here, here's the deal. name. Name one. You name three Tony spots Khan's from the Royal Rumble this week. Name three spots. Wait, name I'm three not, spots that you gave a shit about in the Royal Rumble this weekend. Besides, we already Edwin. talked about Bad Bunny's leap. Name them. The Royal Rumble was like four days <laughs> ago. Was, it's already out of I my was mind. Exactly totally into the Bobby Lashley Big E bit. I was huge into that. Yes. The Christian yes, comeback. Like that. I was huge into that. Yes. The edge win, huge into that. We're up to yes. three. That's three. So you okay. got it. Scott, Scott, I'm going to say, because we did a recap of this. You popped for Kane coming out in his Kane outfit. You know why I popped, though. But you loved it. You loved no, it. No, I didn't. I Kane got. Remember, I, I told you guys I got You're, sad because Kane like, is the one guy. I, it was I didn't like seeing Buzz Lightyear, but Tim Allen dressed as Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, no. Oh. But I think uh, Damian Priest getting rid of Kane was a big deal for him. Damian yeah. Priest getting rid of Kane I agree was great. with that for him, but not yeah. for me as a viewer. It bugged me, though, Lance, that um, Damian Priest had that great moment and then had to sell Otis's Caterpillar like 30 seconds later. Like, he looked really dominant, and then it's like you're taking the wackiest move in the match. Shouldn't have been him. Sorry, we're talking about AEW here. The Sammy Hager moment was one of those where the guy clearly doesn't know what wrestling is and he's reading off a script for a cameo. It was a funny bit to have him show up, but whatever. 
AEW was guilty of the same thing that WWE did in the Rumble, and all due respect to what Lance said before, you got to know where the cameras are, and whoever's producing the show needs to know what the spots are. There was a big dive where the one of the guys from uh, Private Party dives, and they were all supposed to move, and he was just to land into an empty pool, and they cut away. Uh, they also missed the elimination of uh, Alex Reynolds because they cut somewhere else, and this was the beginning of the surliest night of Jim Ross's entire career. I oh, don't dude, know. He was like, he was like, 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 like at the Playboy Mansion after like seven scotches. Like, I don't night. know what happened. There was, was a moment crazy. where he was like, where they blocked the silly string. It's like the silly string got blocked. Did you see that, Tony? They blocked the silly string. Kids at home, they blocked this. Like he was so pissed to be there. I don't know what Oklahoma football game he was missing, but this entire show was just two hours of you know, surly red ass Jim Ross on. I think at some point he forgot he was on television. Jim Ross has the best gimmick in wrestling now because his gimmick now is like, oh, look at Anna Jay's pussy. And then he gets, oh, all right. I'm sorry. Cancel culture. I apologize that I said that I didn't mean to. No, she wasn't. You know, he got creepy with Penelope Ford. But yeah, so that was that. It was an entertaining match. It was fine. I was happy that uh, Jericho and MJF went over and that's it. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have. Uh, Sting cuts a promo with Darby Allen, and for me, for me, this really did feel like, like when like my friend's dad would get pissed. Like it, it had that feeling where he's all right, cut the shit. He had that like, <laughs> or, you you guys quit fucking around with my son at the pool. Like that that that's what the whole promo felt like for me. What what, what did you think of this promo, Robert? What was weird was right before this or earlier today, I was looking at him like, I wonder if Lance and Sting did something together. And there was a promo. You guys had a promo and a match 21 years ago where the story was Mark Madden kept saying Sting is over wrestling. He's he's old. He's done. He's washed up. And this was 21 years ago. And he's still out there. Um <laughs> It was, I, I like that, you know, I mean, it was, it, it, Taz was fine. He said pretty two different times, which I never thought I would hear Taz say the word pretty. It was unnerving. Um, and it was clear when Sting was trying to talk about it, He's like, I'm going to be there next week to even up the odds, Darby, in your match against your opponent, because he had no idea who Joey Janela was and completely forgot his name and just was Neither like. Neither does Penelope Ford. <laughs> I'm sure she has a tattooed somewhere on her body. Um but uh, well, but before this, you I can go a lot of different ways with that. Just, oh. Before this, though, there was a video package of Jade Cargill. And <laughs> the one thing that struck me was I'll just say how the WWE missed out on her. Because it was all just about her impressive physique. physical. But my thought was Hunter saw her and Stephanie just went, no, like, <laughs> you don't get another one. <laughs> 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 one night in Cargill. <laughs> well, someone someone saw her, but then someone heard her, and that's why uh, she wasn't. Dude, I mean, I will say I've never seen. I didn't know it was possible because usually when I've seen like a female bodybuilder, I mean, they all look like Lou Ferrigna, you know, like it's not. But she's like gorgeous, and she still looks like she could crush you. All right, there, Jim Ross, calm it down. All right, <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll... No, it's interesting to me about Sting. I'll put away the stubs. My favorite thing, like what Robert was saying when Sting was like, and I'll be here next week. I'm like, you've been here eight weeks in a row. Like, you haven't got anywhere. You and your snow machine come out every time. <laughs> it, it, it's always he interrupts Team Taz or Team Taz interrupts him. It's just, I, I, I think that this is a great match for the pay-per-view. This helps sell the pay-per-view. 
but it feels like they had three weeks of story and they've been telling it in three months. <laughs> Mike, I just cracked up because I just imagined them cutting backstage to Jerry Lynn working the snow machine, like dressed as like Santa's elf or something. <laughs> <laughs> hurry up, hurry up. That guy's the man. Shout out Jerry Lynn. He's on the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Jerry Lynn. Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker. Man, Britt's awesome. I I think she's just fantastic. Uh, I thought I like Thunder Rosa. I thought she was like a little sloppy at times during this match, but um, yeah, I didn't know they did that. They do that chant for her. Do you guys know if that's common? The Thunder, the the ACDC. Uh, no, thunder. You didn't hear that? Oh, it's awesome. I thought that they were doing um, the Jungle Boy thing at first. Like I was oh, like, oh yeah, no, doing they're doing ACDC. <laughs> Yeah, but that, yeah. was that, that was really smart from the by that song. Really briefly, Hangman and Page and Matt Hardy versus the Chaos Project. He, my issue with with this is like, like all they do is shit on WWE for not all they do, but a lot of people shit on WWE for those like forced partnerships that are really only there so the two people break up, and that's what they're doing with Matt Hardy and Hangman Page. It's just. It's a, it's a WWE angle. So it's like, and it's fine. I'm totally fine with the angle. I just, I guess I get more annoyed because I'm like, well, if it's a good angle, just do it. We don't have to like, you know, like, it, 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 I don't know. It just seems like something they-, they Well, yeah, would, you don't want to wait for it. If you it know was exactly. on WWE, people so would be a lot less forgiving of it. That's what I'm trying to say, angle-wise. Not not work rate-wise, but just angle-wise, they would be a lot less forgiving of it. For sure. Um, uh, next up- the only highlight of that be- match, by the way, was uh, at one point, Tony Schiavone just goes, this is a great match, but don't forget, there's a wedding coming up. <laughs> just, just, to, just to make you feel bad about what you're watching. Oh, the <laughs> wedding of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. This was, this was a thing that happened on television. Robert, <laughs> what did you think of it? Oh, really? Fine. Um, <laughs> Jerry Lynn was fantastic. Him coming out and escorting Penelope Ford, he looked, uh, he sold it well. Everything about this was if I was writing TV and I was making jokes in the back on what I would do for a wedding segment, this is what it would wind up being. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if we got the sinister minister and then sure enough, there's James Mitchell and they like they weren't sure if they're supposed to acknowledge him or not, that they know who it was. And he was playing it for a joke and then playing it serious. Then it was the hey, every time you do a wedding, you never see it go to fruition. And then it goes to fruition. Kip Sabian bothered me more than anything else because he came across as a babyface during this you're supposed to hate these guys and boo the hell out of them for this wedding you want to boo him you want to boo penelope you want nothing but misery for them because they're heels and they him and penelope seemed genuine they seemed funny when he went to do his vows they were they were nice it wasn't penelope i'm gonna marry you because none of these people would ever have a shot with you and then they boo instead it was like everyone was wacky and accessible and I hated that part of it because this should have been nothing but cheap heat until Orange Cassidy pops up in the end. And that that kind of bugged me. And Miro showed why you need scripted promos. Um, bless his heart. The crowd was singing, you know, when he said, what is love? And they're singing the baby don't hurt me. How and much did that kept, cost them, you think? Like 50? That was that, oh, that was my other concern was he sang it. And I he guarantee you, no, they he's, had, he's got, they're paying up for that. Oh, I know their lawyer. I almost wanted to reach out to him and be like, so what are you guys doing with this? But uh he is a bit of a liability when they give him the microphone. And all I kept thinking this entire segment was if he was in WWE right now, given the size of their roster, he would be main eventing against Drew. And it's just unfortunate that if, if they could have figured out a way to make that work for a couple months more, he would have probably had his opportunity. 
Did I saw a clip of of the wedding? Did you notice the irony of the handcuffs? That they were so still perfectly. In no, they accidentally oh, disconnected, and then, like at the end, Rusev's oh. hand is free, and he's still pretending to be handcuffed. Just uh, after Roman couldn't, for the life of him, I didn't catch that goddamn, at all. He couldn't get the out of Roman couldn't get out of the handcuffs to save his fucking life. That was so brutal. What, what, what did you happened? think of that, Lance? Were you just like nervous for them the whole time? I felt so petrified for everybody involved. Yeah, it was it was it was bad. I felt bad for them because it's it's shit you can't do anything about. And it's just, you know, they probably did a test run like six times. And every time the cuff was the right way and undid it and took five seconds and then just didn't work out. Here's my complaint. Like, why do they have James Mitchell when we have Lance Storm here? They should have had Lance do the (laughs) like something, you know, like, come on. Bring Eric Bischoff back with the the full mask. And gray hair thing. Bring Eric Bischoff what? back with the uh, the Hollywood makeup. He doesn't need oh, the Hollywood only, makeup. Have you seen he, him recently? Sorry. He only he only does fake gay weddings. Uh, he only does weddings of guys who are actually heterosexual and upset glad. <laughs> this was them being too cutesy when they're like, we've seen a bunch of segments that where there's weddings, so it's like, oh, we're gonna, you're, you're, something's going to get interrupted. And like, if anyone has say say something now or forever hold your peace or why is there a big box? I bet you someone's in it. It was very meta. It went on for a while, and I, it, I don't know who it ultimately helped. And yeah. he was referencing like the Lana stuff. It's like they gotta stop doing that. Like, especially if you're gonna bring in New Japan and Impact. Like, if you're working with other companies, and I got that continuity to think about. You know, it's like I can't also think about past WWE stuff. Next up, we have the lumberjack match between Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston. I, I like both of these guys a lot. I didn't love this match for whatever reason. Um, Mike, do you have a thought of this? Uh, Lance? Yes. Lance got to head out, right? Lance, you got to head yeah, out. Yeah, I got to wrap up and get going here. It's getting late for me. Absolutely. Oh, I'm Thanks sorry. So much, hey, man. Lance, no, thank you so thank much you for so um, much. doing this. Uh, what would you like to promote? Uh, just the SWA virtual coaching that I'm doing. Anyone interested in having me uh, review their matches and offer feedback? SWA virtual training at gmail.com. Follow me at Landstorm on Twitter. Other than that, I'm good. Thank you oh, so much. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. He's on they the observer too. It's great. So th- thanks. Yeah, thanks they for need joining. The plug. They, they need the help. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just throwing in there. Thank you, Lance. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. So I guess we'll just edit this part out. Uh, yeah, he was great. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it worked. Thanks. We, could, we could probably leave this in. It's it's this is real life, folks. Yeah, yeah, he was awesome. You're behind the curtain here. Um, well, Lance is also one of those people that I agree with everything he says on Twitter, which I, I don't know if another person like that exists. Guys, it, it took until the seventh segment for him to realize this was beneath him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we should be proud of ourselves. Like, you know, Lance is a nice guy. I think it, I think it was the fourth segment and he yeah, stayed. There is a, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not like how well behaved we were. Like, this is the most respectful, polite episode we've ever done. And now that he's gone, here uh, are my get... Dr. Luther jokes. <laughs> no. oh, man, I had so many ideas. I'm I wanted sh- to talk about how hold on. Bad I'm Bunny's so not going to wrestle. I'm so glad he left right now because we got to the Eddie Kingston Lance Archer segment. And this is where I thought I was going to lose Lance because it had my favorite moment probably of the year of professional wrestling. Because during the Eddie Kingston Lance Archer match, when they're outside battling with the Lumberjacks, they promote Black History Month 
with a Cody Rhodes t-shirt and there is not a single black person in this segment when there are 30 people at the ring. Like, wow. how, how bad do you have to be at your job to be like, this is where we're going to put in the Support Black History Month segment when there's 20 white guys around the ring with two white guys fighting in the ring or a white guy in Eddie Kingston who's miscellaneous. And then his, you accent, have like, his accent is half black. His accent is half black. And to promote Black History Month is a Cody Rhodes shirt. <laughs> He's yeah, a- but that money, his wife gets some of that money. You know, she sees it in some way. No, I know. I know Kingston's yeah, Puerto Rican. Diesel. Come on, I'm married to one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kingston's Puerto Rican, but also, yeah, like think of all of the African American action figures you could have in AEW if there wasn't a Cody Rhodes. <laughs> also, uh, I guess like the whole Rhodes family has appropriated the black scent, right? Like, I mean, that, no, I've realized this. I've, I, I don't know if I told you this, Dan. It, it's so true. You cannot do a dusty impression around anyone of color. No, you cannot. You cannot. You cannot. <laughs> it, is, it is a fucking, it is like the Chitlin circuit. It is real bad. It is real bad. Um, all right. Our main event of the night uh, was John Moxley, Ray Phoenix, and Pac versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. I really love this match. The only thing that I, I, I that bumped me is I just don't, I didn't love um, Moxley's dives to the outside, the Suicido dives. I just don't know why he's doing them. And I'm like, it's just, it, it just, they always look like shit. And I'm like, he's such a great brawler. Why not just? Well, know, I actually, that, that's why I don't brawling. mind the dives because they're like, like, they're like he is. There's like a, there's like a franticness to him. You know, he doesn't care. He's, he's so just good kind of throwing so many himself. Different things. Why do the? Why do that? Well, like I just you know, said, just, Daniel. You know, that's why. Because right. he's well, an artist and he wants Scott. to. He's an artist. Frantically. If he didn't do needless dives, you wouldn't remember what promotion you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, what do you think of the match? I, I, I liked the match. My my problem was is that right before this, they go into their worst impulses, which is you have FTR kidnapping Marco Stunt. Which is just stupid to a, like a WWE degree when you're like it this. does it does put the kid in kidnapping though. <laughs> the the match itself was it was totally fine. It was weird they did a clean finish. That one kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, and then to my point from before, it was all right. The story here is Kenny is is going up against Moxley. You have the invasion from Impact. The match is over, and then oh by the way, here's Kenta. It was just it was a lot. Um, the match itself was good. They put it over. This is the greatest main event in Dynamite history. It felt a little bit of a reach. It was very, very good, but it was lost in the shuffle of what they thought was a more important story for another company. <laughs> Meow. Meow. I, I think that they have so many tag matches to the point that they're not as special as they could be. Like, So I immediately think like, the Kenny Phoenix match is better just because you don't see as many actual like important one-on-one matches in the company. So when there is one, it's just more special than your four mans and your six mans and your battle Royales Uh, point. Yeah. But also like Kenny and Moxley have basically a blood feud and yet they were in a tag match where they're like, I'm just going to stand on the apron while Kenny is standing there and we're going to follow the rules when it should have been, I need to murder him. He needs to murder me because that's what they've been telling the last several weeks. When you think uh, about it, there really hasn't been a longer feud in wrestling um, 
I mean, at least in the last couple of years than Moxley and Omega, this is like the third chapter of their feud, right? Yep. Yeah. Scott, it's, if that was the point, why is Darby wrestling Joey Janela next week? All right, I'm going to defend that one because as as weird as that is for an AEW match, we did a it's it's like a lost classic in MLW. We did. Joey I heard it was Janela. incredible. I hate you. We did Joey Janela. No, I'm and, serious. Uh, I really did. I heard it. We was did great. Joey Janela and and Darby Allen in a fans bring the weapons match. And the problem was, is we were on this network called BN Sports, which is they have they're very they were very skittish about things. This match was bloody. It was insane. They both he uh, Joey threw Darby off a balcony. There was a a uh, an inflatable shark wrapped in barbed wire. Like these two killed each other, and it was one of the most fun matches I've ever seen. And it never wound up ultimately airing anywhere, which is a bummer. But these guys know each other really well. And if they're given the opportunity to go out and kill each other, they'll they'll put on a hell of a match for a little bit before it turns into whatever I, it turns into. I agree with well, that. What has the character of Janela done to earn the shot? It's they the shot. Eight. Exactly. I agree with Mike on that. I love the match. I do. And I I don't dislike Janela like some people do. I, I think he serves a purpose. I don't know if they're nailing that purpose all the time. Uh, I don't think they feature him enough. Uh, but yeah, for it to be a title shot, that's where my brain just goes. That's yeah, so he's sticky. no Peter Avalon. Um, yeah, I mean, unless, unless again, unless you're Darby and you go, but even this doesn't make sense. But at, at the very least, try to explain it and say, like, look, I'm I'm, I'm like the craziest son of a bitch here. Uh, but there's one guy who I hear some people say is crazier. I'm going to show you guys he's not, you know, but it's. It's not even a it's a singles match and they're not going to get that crazy because you have a lights out match later that night. That's the main event. Yeah, because well, they, they talk to each other, Scott, and they balance out their show nicely <laughs> and there's never any. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they assume Scott, I will say and I really I really like AEW. I like WWE. I'm uh, you know, I'm uh, I should be on a short bus. But um, yeah, I, 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 I will say that like they take a lot, they take a lot of things for granted in that company. Like they assume that we're all like, like reading wrestling, you know, chat boards and assume we know Joey Janela's hardcore history and know Darby Allen's hardcore history. It's just a little, I don't know, man. It's just like, you know, I didn't want to say it when Lance was on Star I, Wars or Marvel. You don't want to say it when Lance was on. Well, I didn't want to step right, on. And no, you guys no, no. saw Lance was Lance agreed with my point that I was making, but what I was going to say to Lance was, but he he did listen, listen to the tape, kids. Rewind on your cassette player. But one of the things a I was point say was, during our, our NXT talk where I saw Lance Storm fall asleep on the Zoom camera. I just it's very possible. Listen. But um, there's a point during our NXT talk where I fall asleep every week on the Zoom camera. <laughs> guys, 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 guys. We didn't talk about NXT. Oh, oh shit! shit. <laughs> we all fell my, asleep. Did you not hear my breakdown? <laughs> of Santos Escobar and Kurt Stallion. Um, Robert, Robert, before we move on, there's something that I have to ask because I'm on the short bus with Dan here. How do you get an inflatable shark covered in barbed wire? Wouldn't the barbed wire deflate the shark? So it's it's funny you say that. They Someone had brought inflatable shark and they wrapped it in barbed wire. And then at one point it did deflate and then they were whipping him with a completely deflated barbed wire <laughs> shark that was just lying in the ring. And it just looked oh, like man. it sucked. Because I feel like that's the only way Army <laughs> Hammer can come. <laughs> a deflated uh, shark wrapped in barbed wire is... Uh... <laughs> 
All right, next up, uh, let's get into NXT. Dakota Guy and Raquel Gonzalez versus Caden Carter and Casey Cottonzero. Did you, did you call her Dakota Guy? <laughs> no, I said Kai. Did I say Guy? Dakota Guy? Dakota Guy. <laughs> Dakota guy. We're punch drunk. We're seven hours into this podcast. Guys, uh, I'm telling you, we had the longest episode last week, and we had the more, most listens we've ever had. Guys, we so, had to pretend to be decent people. We're exhausted. We, we yeah, did. It. it was rough. We were polite. At no point were we being... <laughs> Quick, somebody say something racist. Um, next, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Caden Carter and Casey Cottonzero. I just want to start out by saying I think Dakota Kai may be the most underrated wrestler right now. She's, She's great, so yeah. good. And I, I she just makes everybody around her look like a killer. She made fucking uh, Caden Carter. Uh, no, I think Casey Cottonzero. Who's the smaller one? Casey. The smaller white girl Casey she made he made her they made her look like a fucking killer in that match and she's like 90 pounds soaking wet uh but anyway I I, I was just really impressed by her but what did you think of this match Robert I think these all four of these women are going to find a niche and be incredibly successful Dakota Kai is she's at the early stages of that Sasha Banks style of she puts her entire body into it she's willing to sell she's willing to bust her ass Raquel Gonzalez is physically impressive looking and wrestles like a like a I don't want to say a big woman sounds insulting like for a big man no, a big man like, she sounds like a wrestler like a man wrestle like she was a great it was a great power bomb it was a great yes. power bomb Caden has charisma Casey is going to be the next AJ Lee on top of the fact that she was the American Ninja Warrior competitor so she's got a lot of agility to her she's small but sells really well and she has charisma these four women are excellent. And this is why I, I have loved NXT the last few weeks because these dusty classic matches, when you remove the bad storytelling that they're usually doing, it's just good wrestling. And these are all great spotlight matches. It was a very, it was a very good match. I was really impressed by the match. Scott, did you like the match? Yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. Um, when all of them get moved to the main roster, I mean, Sasha Banks is one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Right. And these girls are gonna be better than sasha banks you uh, think so i th i think i mean a handful of them at least in nxt uh if given the shine you know and it's just it blows my mind to the point where i go oh shit is wwe gonna be more women heavy in three years just because they have no choice that should be a 60-40 split at least. I, I mean, mean, and then also think about, like, you know, your guys who are great now that aren't on the main roster, like the Adam Coles, the Johnny Gargano, maybe they'll never be on it or whatever, whatever. But it's like the women are also the same size as your best guy wrestlers. They are, but I think part of what's going to ultimately be and benefit WWE is, and this is going to sound weird, but the WWE lost a lot of men to UFC. They're not going to lose as many women to UFC because to be a, a female athlete and go be a professional fighter is a real commitment. But you can be a female athlete, a, a cheerleader, a gymnast, uh, played college sports and be a pro wrestler. And you're not putting your body in that much of risk. So the caliber of female athlete they have is absolutely off the charts. And I want to say this because it goes unnoticed often. And I hope I remember what I was about to say. Um, but the women are so often given credit to you know why they're better now and i don't want to give the guys credit for this but another thing is this amount of women are allowed to be around backstage because the boys are different in the back i don't think that is talked about enough that you couldn't have amazing women athletes in the back 
back in the day, getting pushed, getting like legit TV time while Shawn Michaels, 1990 Shawn Michaels is backstage. Are you kidding me? It's not going to happen. Uh, so I don't know. I was going to say you know, props to the guys, but that sounds Paige weird. Van I was going to say like, props to the new guys, but it, yeah. it is a point that Wait, I got. Props for these guys for not kidnapping these yeah. girls backstage. Uh, <laughs> thanks for not shitting. In, thanks, for not shitting <laughs> thanks for not shitting in their food. Yeah, like, yeah. The only guys, people upset about this are the producers <laughs> of Dark Side of the Ring. Like, what are they going to talk about in five years? Oh, Apparently, they're uh, they're going to be signing Paige Van Zandt, which is a really great get wow. for them. I hope they get her before her fucking face is turned into hamburger helper at that bare knuckle boxing promotion that she signed up for. Um, Austin theory versus Leon rough. Do we need to talk about this guys? Nope. No. All right. Uh, Lucha house party versus legato del Fantasmo. This was fine. Um, Nothing. I, I really have to say. Uh, so before Ed, that, though, there was that, movie. there was a, there was that video about the the spooky Asian storyline that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I kind of dig it, man. I don't know why. It I know was, it's... It was so weird, but my favorite part when you're watching that story is there was an ancient wise man who had two children, a wicked son and a, and a brilliant daughter. The wicked son took power. The daughter found a dragon, Triple H, and suddenly <laughs> rose up and they slayed the son who was unworthy of his father's position. If this isn't the Vince McMahon story, like what the fuck? (laughs) Wow. I I, I like the gimmick. I I do like the gimmick. It doesn't seem as offensive as it could be. I like the gimmick because Beth Phoenix is like, you're telling me this person's several thousand years old. Like this is dumb. (laughs) And Wade's like, you don't know, maybe. Uh, Edge cut a promo with Pete Dunne and uh, Finn Bauer. What do you think about this, Mike? Uh, I thought this was okay. You know, I think you brought up that, something to me earlier. I thought was really funny about it. Uh oh, what, what did I say? You said like you call. Like he kept calling Pete Dunn kid. Oh yeah, no, it was so funny when he's like, uh, he's like, you remind me of my younger self, and he's like, ten years ago I would have shrugged my shoulders like that too, kid. It's like ten years ago you were thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah i mean here's the thing like his last night you asked me like who i think are like the best promos now i do think edge is really good on the mic but there is this like somewhat stilted delivery at times that's just been ingrained you know and- i don't know man the, the the parking lot promo he had with uh carrying cross i thought was pretty great and not that was typical. better but the the in ring it's, it's just interesting that even in the pandemic like there's no crowd, but these guys are still talking like there's 20,000 people. Like they're waiting for the pauses and things like that. And at times it just feels a little inorganic. I mean, I think that it was good to have Edge there. I like the idea of you guys are part of what made me want to come back. I mean, I'll be honest, out of all the three title matches, uh, I, I would I would have him in Finn as opposed to him in uh, Roman or him in Drew. As a, as a, as like a fan who just wants to see a great match, yes. I think it just in terms of storyline. No, I don't. I because I just maybe this is just me. I don't think Edge is that big of a draw. So you you but you hit on something that was that's always been Edge's problem. That wasn't a recent problem. Is earnest, sincere Edge never connects with the audience. His best characters were either the wacky comedic dick with him and Christian, which was awesome, or him as the dastardly heel that you wanted to see get crushed. 
Babyface Edge was never a successful character because when he talks, he's earnest, but it's not particularly. You don't compelling. think it's working right now? It is to a degree because it's great to have him back. And he had a great line where he's like, the focus on NXT is the second W that it's it's on wrestling. That's why I'm here. It it works to a degree, and he's giving these guys a rub. But as a full-time main event babyface, there's always been something that's just been a little lacking with him. Whereas when he's a heel, it's in a totally different gear. I, I think, yeah, I mean, well, some of it is, and this is just WWE in general, is their own retconning and rewriting history. That like the second that someone's gone, they're seen as a much bigger deal than they were. And it's like, Edge did win a rumble, but at, at the at the same time, like his last match was the opening match on a show. It was a title match, but it was still the opening match on one of the worst manias ever against a guy that nobody talks about anymore in Del Rio. So it's like they want you now to think he's this big, incredible thing, but it's like they didn't fully treat him like that when he was there. Well, they did for a long time, but it's just they know. did and they didn't like it was up and down. I, I mean, he left kind of as an afterthought, I think. Santos Escobar versus Kurt Stallion. Um, there, this was basically, I mean, this was basically just to set up carrying cross and Santos Escobar at the next NXT takeover. I guess it's Matthew McConaughey impression really bombed last week because I, I don't see this guy getting a title shot anytime soon. What do you think, Robert? <laughs> Um, there was a line on commentary that was the most depressing thing I've ever heard uh, that Kurt Stallion uh, wants to inspire children by winning the 205 live title. And if you're a kid that's hanging on by a thread and the only thing that's going to keep you alive <laughs> is Kurt Stallion <laughs> winning the 205 live title, just just end it, buddy. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't. We love you. Be a Patreon member instead. Um, but the, the match was Kurt Stallion benefited. From, I said this before. He benefited from because he showed up in, in NXT and then was on Dynamite. They're like, we need him. We want him back. And now that they have him, they're like, oh, shit. We're, we're stuck with this guy. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be on 205 Live for a long, long time, y'all. Do you think it was like the, uh, the you know, when they got the one-legged wrestler, like they really wanted Angelico, but they actually got that guy? They're like, oh, we just, we just wanted the skinny guy that looks like a chick. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Awesome. This was a predictably good match. Uh, I really like these two together as a team. Uh, Robert said this. I've said this. I think they have the 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 money on the main roster is those two as a team. I, I was a little surprised that you know they went over that clean. I thought that there was going to be some something screwy to get in the way, but uh, yeah, I really, I, I dug this match. I liked the AEW main event a little bit more, but I dug this match. What do you think of it, Scott? Uh, yeah, I, I love this. I always love these guys. And uh, this is one of those things when you watch it and you go, I wish, I wish AEW was a little more serious, like across the board. Right. Uh, because this shit, you can't beat it, you know, when it's just treated like a, a sport and I don't know. Yeah. I loved it. Mike, I think that I mean it feels like this match happens every week. It's consistently great. That's if true. You, if you miss it, you miss it. You've seen it enough times. These guys are all great. They are somewhat interchangeable to me. Um, and I think that like the difference between them and AEW is like a moment, like the Kenta thing. Like you know what NXT is going to be. There's always going to be the ceiling. 
But AEW, even if I'm not the biggest Kenta fan, it's still the feeling that anything can happen. Weird shit can happen. Random stuff can happen. And there are surprises. So even if I'm watching another six-man tag, which AEW does a lot of, there's some kind of X factor, you know, surprise thing like the Kenta thing that NXT doesn't have. So, uh, Mike, NXT, AEW, or Rerun of Bad Boys? I've never seen Bad Boys. Neither um, have I. That's why I wanted to throw that in there. Maybe yeah, this so that week. one's tempting. Um, but I'm going to go AEW. I thought the show was really good. Um, I thought that this was one of their best shows in a while. I thought they've been in a little bit of a slump, and this was more straightforward. Um, I think this was the best women's match that they've had. Um, Britt is just getting better. It, look, they gave them the 830 slot instead of the 915 slot which is impressive, uh, getting them a little bit earlier in the show, which is nice. Uh, but, yeah, I thought there were great, you know, matches here, great moments. And I feel like when they get into pay-per-view building mode, they really shine. And they give, you know, like two weeks ago, I'd be like, I don't even know if there's any matches I want to see. Now they're starting to come together, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about Revolution. Yeah, now you could headline with the Bucks versus Jericho and MJF. You could, yeah. I was going to say the one thing that I would not have done, and I just thought it was dumb booking, I wouldn't have had the Bucks in that Battle Royale match. Like, I didn't think it did anything for them. Well, what I, no, what I, it, well, it, it progressed the uh, the Good Brothers storyline with them. The Good Brothers came out to help them because, you know, they, they were under the assumption that if the Bucks win, we get to challenge them, and they're our boys, and blah, blah, blah. And then they messed that up for them, and it just causes more tension. Dude, what, I, how, mu- how much do you think, like, Gallows was just holding back, making a jerk-off motion with his hand when he came out? You know, you know, you know but what's interesting is, <laughs> is that, like, the whole causes more tension, like, AEW has a roster of the most patient wrestlers ever because they could be like annoyed about something. And you know what? We'll, we'll deal with it five months from now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taz was in the parking lot and they're like, we're, we're going to come after you next week when I could walk 30 feet and fight you in the parking lot. Oh, it was worse than that. He was, and it was kinder of Tony Khan. He was like, we're not allowed there tonight, but they br- they let him have a camera crew. Right. Come see They're them. too dangerous to be around production yeah. people, but we sent the camera guy out there. They won't get- let us on the show tonight, so we're on the show tonight. Can, can I just <laughs> say that when I, was, when I was a kid, my dad uh, worked in a hospital as a maintenance guy. And Patch Adams. Thank you. And there were times when I'd have to go to the hospital with him for the weekend. And that is how Hook looks in every promo. <laughs> he looks like he's he looks like he's like had a date. Taz isn't listening. He's like, no, you're gonna come with me. He hasn't said anything, he hasn't done anything. I feel I feel kind of bad for Hook. <laughs> uh what would you what, what do you think, Robert? Which uh, which show had the edge this week? So I will say Dynamite was better than it was the last several weeks because they were actually motivated and stuff happened. The problem is the bad that was on Dynamite stuck out to me. Like that wedding segment was pretty brutal. The kidnapping of Marco's stunt was just like, what what the fuck? Oh, we didn't even talk about that. I kind of love that. I love (laughs) that. Telly looked so mean when he did it. It was like, (laughs) it was clearly fucked up shit to him. They've kid, but it's like they kidnap Marco's stunt and there's a camera guy sitting there. It's like, I'm not going to show it until you guys give me the cue. And then up there it is. Which is like the only reason why that I, I thought of that was because they did the great bit, bit there with the inner circle where like Wardlow kicks the camera guy out because he's like, oh, the camera's here. 
and you need to have the rules. Is the camera there or is the camera not there? And, and make a pick. Um, I think that NXT, I, I love the main event. I like the rest of the show. Nothing, I, the Johnny Gargano stuff, every bit that he was in was pretty entertaining. Him picking on the new backstage announcer. It just, it worked for me. I, I'm going to give it to NXT, but it was closer than normal for me. Do you, does it feel like, like Marco stunt threw a Frisbee into Tolly's yard? It was stupid enough to try to get it back. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Mike, what apartment has yards? <laughs> <laughs> what studio apartment has, has a yard in it? <laughs> Zach, uh, AEW or uh, NXT? NXT. It had edge. There you edge. go. But don't, but don't worry, Robert. He got an apartment with an elevator in case, in case Magnum ever comes by. <laughs> All right. Oh my god. <laughs> Number eight. Book that shit. Uh book this year. Oh. Here's WrestleMania. You guys can go as, as simple or as detailed as possible. Let's start with you, Mike. Um, yeah, I have I have Edge and Balor. Because that's the thing, too, is that you know they kept pushing this whole who's gonna main event. If you win, you main event WrestleMania. One, there's two nights of WrestleMania this year again. And so um, I think that that's multiple main events, I guess. But I think, you know, Edge and Finn, they'll probably have it open, but it'd be a great opener. I would do uh, – I, I still want Roman and Brian, and I think it should be a retirement match. And I think that Roman should retire Brian. Um, I think that could be an all-time classic. Uh, Bianca and Sasha – it's it's the obvious choice, but sometimes that's the best. And I would have them main event one of the nights. I'd have them actually go on last, maybe the first night. Um, the the Bad Bunny and Priest, Miz and Morrison. Yeah, I do think that should happen. I'd go Cena Drew. I think that um, you know that works for me. And uh, Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. Um, in some kind of cinematic weird shit thing that I conveniently have to go to the bathroom during. Yeah, versus John Cena just via Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're definitely going Firefly Funhouse, Orton, Bray. That's the They're, 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 they're doing a Firefly Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> Which I honestly, I'm really, I'm, uh, I think it's going to be a blast. I think Randy having a non-wrestling WrestleMania match is probably his biggest fantasy ever. So there's going to be some fun stuff in it. You know what I would do? Randy and Asuka versus Bray and Bliss. That's fun. Yeah, that is kind of fun. Scott, what, I, what's I love that, actually. Uh, I also have Bianca versus Sasha main eventing the first night. I, I think it kind of needs to happen. Uh, and I don't even think they realize how psyched we are for that match. I mean... That's going to be one of the biggest matches of the weekend, uh, if not the year. Ah, shit, I forgot. There's not going to be much of a crowd, right? So who who knows? But There's going to be like 20,000 people there. It's going Whoa, to be. Oh, really? It's going to okay. be at Raymond James Stadium in and Tampa. it's like a 20% so... capacity situation? Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Great, cool. Um, so yeah, that. So night two, it's Edge. I want Edge versus Reigns, but I wrote down Edge versus McIntyre. Because what the hell was that promo on Raw between them? I kind of liked I mean, it. Oh, dude, it, it was trash. Really? What is the I idea? It was, like, oh, it was a different. What is the idea? You're not. You, I can't fight you because you're you you're you're not willing to go there. Uh, okay. 
but that's the Edge's fuck? thing. He's it's he's the old man going around telling everybody what's wrong with them. So he goes on Raw and he's like, Drew, you're a corporate shill. You got to act like a champion. He goes on NXT and he's like, you know, Finn, uh, Pete, you guys are great. You're the future, but uh, I'm keeping my eye on you. And then he'll go on SmackDown and, and talk to Roman. And they may talk about, you know, tribal chiefs. Dude, he he told do. Drew he's not going to fight him because Drew doesn't have enough passion to wrestle. I mean, that's that literally a, what happened. That's it a was, fair way to look ass. at it. It was ass. No, I don't so think now you have to like, saying. now you he have to like finagle that. a way to get Drew no. to fight Edge because you just shit on Drew. No, dude. I mean, what he was saying is like he was too nice. I can't fight you. You're too nice of a guy. That's essentially what he was saying. Yeah, it was trash. It made Drew look like an idiot. You're not know. worthy okay of my Royal it. Rumble victory because you're not gonna take it. This Ooh. is what I would do if I was them. You remember when Undertaker won and he was choosing his champion for WrestleMania 23? And like the last time they had it, it was like Batista, Lashley, and John Cena, and they were all in the ring, and then Undertaker chose Batista. If they did that again with Edge, but Roman just didn't show up, that would be fucking the most Roman thing ever to be like, no, no, you come to me, you know? But I guess it would make Drew and Finn look like the biggest bitches in the world. So you can't do that. There really should only be one champion, guys. That's the problem with going from show to show. Like, hmm, who do I pick? Just pick somebody so we don't think about how you didn't pick the other people. <laughs> right. Robert, how would you book this? So the problem is I looked at the roster and it was this is this is a rough <laughs> one. Um, because Yeah, I mean, you can't do Cena. Cena you just, can't do you can't do yeah. Cena. You can't do Taker. You're you're not you can't use Rock. You're you're gonna, you know. So you got to use the toys you have in the toy box. They're going with Roman and Edge because that's what they're going to go with. It's that's the story. There's nothing you can do on that. And they pulled the trigger too early on Sheamus and Drew for Fastlane. So they're not going to do the rematch there, which means there's going to be a match at Fastlane to set up Drew's challenger. And that's why I'm thinking they're going to go with Drew and AJ because it's the best match that you can get for Drew. It doesn't need to main event. You can main event with the women or main event with something else. But at least you have that story of almost is there and you never really got the one on one Drew AJ match because they had the nonsense with Miz and whatever. You can get away with your AJ. I think Orton and Fiend in a Firefly Funhouse match gets Alexa Bliss on there. The other woman that would be involved would be Rhea Ripley because Rhea Ripley's who eliminated Alexa Bliss and there's no room for her elsewhere on the show. You got Bianca and Sasha on SmackDown on Raw. Asuka needs someone. So you may as well just do Asuka Charlotte and just do a good match. I think for the Intercontinental title, I would do Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens because I had that too. I had that. You too. know, it's like Sami's got to win the belt, and then him and Kevin Owens, you're giving the the hardcore fans the, a match you know they're going to love. Uh, I would take. I would reunite New Day as a one-off. Put him with Ricochet. Have him face uh, Retribution because you need one of those spectacle matches. Uh, Rollins and Bryan seems to be where they're going. So fine. I would throw Braun and Sheamus in there because you need something for each one of those guys to do. And they got nothing else going on. Uh, and then the tag situation is just a couple of six mans or a couple of multiple teams. So Cesaro and Nakamura, Rude and Ziggler, Street Profits on SmackDown, Ms. Morrison, Hurt Business, and then throw Riddle and Lee together as a team because they got nothing else to do. And then you do the Andre Battle Royal and you let like Dominic win. It's such an underwhelming WrestleMania because nobody is really white hot right now. You and literally booked retribution in a mania match. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that they need you, you need to fill two four hour shows and you need something for new day to do. 
And New Day at least has a story going into it where it's like they can go out there, pump up the crowd, face retribution in a six minute match. And it's done and over with. Dude, and but that fine. means we have another three months of retribution. Hear me New out. Days. New Day and Christian versus retribution. So you're bumping Ricochet? Fine. Well, no, okay, and Ricochet, but you. Need I to guarantee you, guys, that, is that not happening at all? I guarantee you that Christian gets the short end of the stick. This holy mania. shit! There is. I really think that Vince is going to be like, we can't have Edge and Christian on the same show. I think that uh, and he's going to be in the men's battle royal. I think Christian is going to get kidnapped by Tully and FTR. The only thing that I wanted to add to to um, Robert's card. Is I would love to see. Do you remember how great Owens and Sami Zayn were at that uh, ladder match at WrestleMania 32, and uh, they they had the best chemistry. Like, and if you haven't seen the El Generico Kevin Steen match at Ring of Honor, their ladder match, it's absolutely oh, incredible, amazing. Yeah. So do it again, but like make it like instead of a belt, you could even use like a muzzle. You know, like the other guy has to shut up for the whole month, which is like perfect with Sammy's gimmick and I mean both of them have been quietly dark horse MVPs this entire year there's never been one moment that I've been like oh fuck Sammy and Kevin are coming on screen I also feel we're definitely getting uh, Charlotte and Lacey with Flair on a pole I feel like they're going to blow it off at Fastlane I think that's a fa that's a perfect Fastlane yeah. storyline um this entire WrestleMania feels like a participation trophy. If there's so many wrestlers who deserve a spot, but there's no spot for them. That's why I'm like, all right, I guess Cesaro and Nakamura will be a team or Riddle and Keith Lee will be a team. This is what, this is why when you watch those old manias, you're like, why are there so many six mans and battle Royals? There's a lot of talented guys that just don't have anything going on, but you don't want to punish them and cost them a payday. Number nine, your markout moment of the week. I'll start it out. Uh, Bianca Belair winning the Rumble, the promo afterwards. Nothing for me has beaten that. I actually was a little touched. Guys, I got a little emotional. I apologize. Robert? So I had two just in case because I had the Bianca Belair one. My backup was during AEW Dynamite, there was a promo for their women's tournament, and they made Tony Schiavone say the name of every Japanese women's wrestler. <laughs> And he struggled so badly during it that it reminded me of the progressive commercial where they're trying to pronounce quinoa. And it's just, that was every name that they just kept. Like, I feel like at some point Tony was like, is this a rib? Like these can't really be the names of these people. Uh, that was my markout moment of the week. My Scott? markout moment is when we get the outtakes of Jim Ross's take one of that segment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Aha Kong. Um, <laughs> I I went with uh, this is a dumb one, but I went with it. The what is love, and and this is why, because we all miss live crowds. This is the kind of dumb shit we would see every week. It was fun to see it again, and I felt like I was watching an American wrestling show with people when they they're watching the fans are watching a bad segment. They hijack it by being goofy. And it actually made it better. And, and I give Miro credit for participating with them. Even if it cost them $50,000, it was just, we haven't seen that in so long. And we got to, we used to see it every week, that kind of stuff. I missed it. So that's, that's mine. But the Bianca is also, yeah, incredible. Uh, Scotty. Kenta, come on. Next. Zach. <laughs> 
I also was about to say Kenta. I love Kenta. Of course, yes. Uh, well, maybe the dream match is Kenta Belair. Well, Bianca Belair is the is the, like the real answer, I guess, for everyone, right? But well, that that's true in the sense it. that I think it's like I think it should be shown a hundred years from now. Like I think it should always be in WWE's rotation. I thought it was an amazing, really genuine moment. Yeah. Well, what's incredible for a union, in which case she never happened, and we've erased her. <laughs> what's incredible? I was looking it up. Like she's only been wrestling since 2016, and she's like proof of their development system. Like she wasn't on a bunch of indies and all of that. She was like a CrossFit like athlete yeah. that they made, you know. And she's worked really hard to be this incredible. I mean, she's been wrestling I mean, less than five years, dude. It's I mean, like, the, the fact that like Alvarez can say with a straight face that somehow AEW's development system is better than NXT. That is the craziest opinion that anyone has in wrestling right now, is that opinion. Says Dan, who has not gotten his AEW check yet. Wait a couple of weeks, <laughs> and all of a sudden... <laughs> isn't that... Isn't that... I mean, like, how do you come up with that? There's just no, like, foundational basis for that. Well, no, Kenny told him it's the best. And the fact that he <laughs> took his call, he's like, that must be true. <laughs> An unsold Dustin Rhodes action figure is not a paycheck, Robert. <laughs> Tell that to QT Marshall. That's what he's living <laughs> off of. Love you, QT. Uh, he's going to be on next week. In spirit, we wouldn't really have him on. Number 10, the kickout, our unpopular opinion. Wait, did we get – Um, did I, I go through everybody's uh, WrestleMania booking. Scott, did you get a chance to – Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, number 10. The kick out, unpopular opinion. What started out with Scott? Scott, what is your unpopular? I, I said it already. I thought if you base it on per minute, uh, they got m more story wise uh, out of the battle royal. Out of the battle royal, yeah. Mike, as a viewer, Mike, um, it could have just been your liking what Miro did. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know what? That's gonna be mine. I, I actually, I the wedding segment for what it was was fine. It, it was, was Looney like, Tunes, man. Mike Lawrence, for listeners, loves some Looney Tunes shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you act like a wascally wabbit, he's fucking in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chuck, Chuck Jones is my ghetto. <laughs> Gato or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, the, the wedding, it was just... They hyped it so much. It could have been so much worse. Like, do I wish we had Reverend Billy Mitchell instead of James Mitchell? You're damn fucking right I do. Yeah, that was a little... It was just weird. Real sex. That well, the thing that, made, the thing that made me laugh the most during that segment was... It was either Tony or Jim was like, that's a minister who's rather sinister. And then Excalibur just goes, yes, that's James Mitchell. And you can see they both were so upset. Like, this was one of those, like, shut up nerds. Well, Jim Ross replied by going, I guess we can say who it is now. Like, it was so good. Like, they clearly didn't go over this in the production meeting. And they're like, we got to say something. I don't think they have production meetings. I think it's, I think Tony and JR go to Shoney's and plan shit out. And they go to Shoney's, they hot box, and that's their, uh, yeah, that's their production meeting. Here, here's well, what's going to happen. Excalibur, we're going to be outside of an Arby's parking lot, and if you come within 20 feet of us, you're fucking fired. Tony, uh, Tony Schiavone is, I mean, and he said this on our podcast, he is the least markiest mark in the world. Like, he thinks it's all stupid. So, it's amazing he's able to get through any episode without cracking up. 
having having worked with Tony, I agree. Uh, he, <laughs> like he, I don't think he's never going to have like a Bret Hart opinion of the business. If there, if I, if if Conrad had the money and the sway with Tony Khan to put a webcam when they were ha- if they were having a production meeting with Shivani to hear how he actually is when you go through the rundown of a show, it is a hundred times more entertaining and more bitter than Jim Ross. And it's the best thing. We would go over the MLW and say, all right, so it's bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Then this fucking guy wins. I don't care. Move on next. And it's just, it's the best. Maybe this is a second unpopular opinion, but I, he's one of the five most important people in that company, Tony. He's so important to that company. Those in-ring segments, the backstage. They hit the mark. Yeah, he's You're like, all right, Uncle Tony's here. We're having Cause a good he, time. Because he acts like a person. And that yes. genuinely helps. Absolutely. Um, Robert, what was your um, popular opinion of the week? So the first, I, again, I had a backup just in case. My first one was going to be AEW having all the, the shit in it. My second one, this one, I don't know how unpopular it is, but NXT needs to get rid of the black mat. I think part of what makes the show so boring to watch is the black and yellow color scheme mixed in with the Capitol Wrestling Center. It makes everything look very dark and very boring. If they had a brighter mat, it's it's hard to physically watch. Like my, it's even if I'm entertained by it, it feels so static and and just homogenized and dull. They need to get rid of the black mat. I'm going to say my unpopular opinion of the week is I think this episode should be longer. That's right, folks. I'm very lonely. So anytime I get with anyone, I greatly appreciate. Zach, do you have an unpopular opinion this week? You took it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Zach's got the best timing out of anyone on this podcast. Let's uh, let's promote, guys. Uh, if you're listening to this, I am at Acme Comedy Club tonight on Friday and Saturday. It's one of the best clubs in the country, so come out, please. Where is it? It is in Minneapolis. If you are in Minneapolis, the most racially harmonious city in America, <laughs> uh, it is really tough to do crowd work in Minneapolis because it's just you're just waiting to step on a landmine. Who um, here likes Target? <laughs> pretty much all you got. Um, and, uh, for our Patreon this week, we, uh, Mike is going to be hosting and we are going to be doing the Yokozuna icons documentary, which is on the WWE network. So, uh, please check it out. Subscribe to the podcast guys. Thanks so much. Uh, we, we had a lot more listens last week, so we appreciate you telling people, uh, Robert, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WW creative underscore I S H. And, uh, this thing's been long enough. I'm good. Scott. Yeah. Oh, my other podcast, Garbage Days, with Brennan Segalo and Scott underscore Chaplin. Mike? Yeah, Mike Lawrence Comedy, and thanks again to Lance Storm. That was awesome that he... Yeah, Lance did great. And just because I think this episode should be longer, I'm going to read you guys the plans I had for WrestleMania with John Cena when I took two edibles three nights. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But I literally, like, I found... Have you ever done this, Scott, where you've got, like, if you smoke some weed, then you find notes in your phone and, like... I remember one of the notes that I had was I was just, I just listed all the SummerSlam main events. <laughs> like, it was the most like. Dan like, is um, clearly on the road. <laughs> yeah. Don't give a shit. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Yeah, goodbye. I'll see you guys. <laughs> <laughs>